Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Royal Watcher podcast. My name is Saad Salman. I'm the founder editor of the Royal Watcher, a royal contributor for L.com, and a royal commentator. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests, Jacob and Sammy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Thank you, dear. That's very sweet of you. Yes, I knew uh, when I was thinking about this episode that I could not talk about the crown without having you two on because I've discussed it with you kind of previous seasons quite a bit recently and I've really enjoyed your comments on this season and thought them really unique so it's I'm sure it's going to be a really fun conversation today. Yes I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to the legal demands afterwards yes (laughs) it will be lovely. Yes and just for all the listeners uh, this is a spot there are going to be lots of spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't watched it yet, I, we would suggest you pause it now, watch it, and then come back so you can listen to our take on it. Yes. So I want to start off kind of by discussing the first episode, uh, which was really centered around Lord Mountbatten's death and uh, Prince Charles meeting a young lady, Diana. And I just want to know kind of your take on it and how you kind of thought the episode was kind of portrayed, especially with the IRA speeches and scenes cut into it. Uh, well, I mean, it, I, I, I was quite young at the time, but I mean, I do remember watching TV. I, I do remember seeing on TV all the... Uh, coverage of the troubles and you know it getting increasingly worse and as a Swede I never really understood what it was all about but but I felt that the in the context of the crown uh, and it gave a simplified but a true um, picture of what the troubles were about and how it affected um, people tend to forget today that, I mean, Britain was lit almost in a state of war for, what was it, 10, 15 years, 20 years or something? Um, yeah. And I mean, there were big terrorist attacks in London and all over the country. And um, so it was really a really, really big thing. Um, and Lord Mountbatten, getting killed was um it, it was i mean of course it had big effects on the country and and uh, not to say on the royal family and i do wonder if i mean it it's a wonder that um what you say what you call them that not the more prominent royal ended up getting killed in the troubles, because I'm sure there were attempts. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I but no, I think you're right. But I think I didn't realize because I wasn't alive at the time. She's ever so youthful. <laughs> I didn't realize at the time how the juxtaposition of what things were like in London. Um, because they framed it around trooping of the colour and this this kind of thing, and how bad things were in in Ireland, 
of this constant uh what's the word i'm looking well this battle between you know i knew obviously uh, how bad things were but i didn't realize on a local level that it could be traced to uh villages and towns and i i didn't realize that and i think that's partly because i didn't have any knowledge of the troubles personally or um so when i saw the first episode and they framed it very well because it was almost as if the the kind of visiting lord was coming to this oppressed people um i didn't realize quite how bad things were from the point of view of the irish so i think it it, it made people think a lot but um yeah it it shocked me even before the the assassination it shocked me how far removed we were as british people even though we had uh as jake jacob says um you know attacks in harrods i think i remember and was there one in harrods i can't remember or outside harrods uh canary wharf and things like that um even outside of that that in Ireland, it was a completely different situation. The, the way they viewed Mountbatten coming to his country estate, and the, I think that changed for me. For me, it made me feel very differently. Mm. And and so, so I'm ninety nine percent sure that I've read somewhere that the ironic thing about them um, killing killing Lord Mountbatten was that. He was pro uh, a, re a reunification of Ireland. I mean, oh, he but he he would have been, you know, considering with uh, partition. I mean, he loved the idea of because I think it was a very posh schoolboy solution. You go to this side of the playground, and you go to this side of the playground, and you don't talk, and you are not, you know. So I can see that he would have been a favoured that kind of. Of thing um but but my point is that when i when i watched that i didn't realize uh quite how bad things were yes i think that was one of those points that kind of struck to me as well because i come from uh south asia in a country really that was formed out of partition and over there mountbatten is not necessarily viewed as a positive figure and and uh, throughout the series i've been in a sense, while I have studied quite a bit about Mountbatten before, but the way he was uh, kind of viewed in Britain was very different from how he was viewed outside of Britain. And in a sense, the British establishment was so kind of removed from the re reality outside, especially in Ireland, that they didn't necessarily believe kind of how much of a big figure that he was or didn't really realize it until mm. kind of he passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but when you say um, that there's a difference between how how Dick was was uh, viewed in in for instance in 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 your home country and in in Britain, um, I mean he wasn't that popular in Britain either, was he, Sammy? No, well I don't think it was a an issue of um, that he was popular. The Crown tends to focus on him as if he was a household name and mm. that everything was 
through Lord Mountbatten that people were were thinking about what Mountbatten was was doing. I don't know that that's true. Um, I think among the establishment, he was not particularly popular because most people, and this harks back to the first series, regarded him as someone that gave away India. Yeah. Yeah. So, I you see, this is history from above or history from below. And the crown takes history from above. So um, you have to see it in that, in that context. But I don't honestly think that, you know, the, the average woman in the street didn't give a damn about Lord Mountbatten. They, they didn't possibly know he was. But certainly the aristocracy, the upper class, the political class, they, they probably would have said, oh, yes, Mountbatten, the man who gave away India. So I don't know that the the crown is accurate in that perspective that Mountbatten was such an an important figure in society. I don't think he was. But he uh, but it must be said that he was um, he was a at least for a fringe royal or whatever we should call him. He was he he was influential. Uh, among the royal families of Europe. I mean, he was smack in the middle. He put himself in the middle of everything, thanks to his sisters and thanks to his uh, his nephew and his his step 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 grand nephews, who he tried to. I mean, he tried to uh, set up a match between Carl Gustav of Sweden and Princess Anne, for instance, which yes. was doomed. So yes. I mean, he in in that circle, he was. Maybe not a big thing, but he was definitely a thing. Yes, and I, I think he was very important and I think he was very integral to the royal family. Um, and I think the Queen especially relied on his counsel and, you know. But I don't think the way the... Um, the way the Crown portrayed it as if it was this moment of national despair I don't think that is true, because I don't think that most people knew who he was, or if they did, they were probably very sad that he died. But this this was not the Duke of Gloucester. No. This was not the Duke of... You know, it, he had a role to play, and people, I think, felt very badly about him uh, being uh, assassinated. But I don't think that they particularly mourned in the streets or you know that kind of thing it didn't necessarily bring the british nation to a standstill or really force them to change their policy um as the ira were expecting basically no and i think also you have to remember that the the whole premise of the first episode is that um the irish republican army were they 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 kind of phrase it in a certain way with the with the overview of the man who's talking and he's reading. I don't know who that is, but um, we're supposed to see it in the same way that we see perhaps the British role in India, that mm. we were these colonial governors who did this. Ireland is slightly separate in that uh, world because it's not quite the same situation. Um, and even though I feel, 
a lot of sympathy for what the Irish were feeling at that time in terms of the divide between the North and the South and all the rest of it. Um, I think you have to be very careful because if you go too far into seeing them as a separatist group that were, they wanted independence or relating them to the Indian uh, situation or other countries, that could lead you off track. And I think Peter Morgan has slightly opened the door to being slightly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, that you could be slightly confused to think that the Irish Republican cause is similar to the Indian cause for independence. And that's not quite true. That's not the same thing. They had different factors. They had different, it's a different national story. Yes. And I believe uh, kind of with this show, they are necessarily really trying to push a narrative. And this was really the narrative that they tried to do, especially for this episode, in which you could really just feel that that is what they wanted you to take away at the end of it. Yes, that you feel that the Irish, whereas the uh, Southern Irish, the IRA, were freedom fighters in the same way that perhaps Nelson Mandela was a freedom fighter. That's not quite the same thing. Now, before I get, you know, pilloried for this, um, that doesn't mean that the Southern Irish didn't have this have legitimate uh, grounds for their concerns. I'm not saying that at all, but you can't compare the same. And I think the one mistake Peter Morgan does make in that first episode, he does portray the IRA as uh, that they are similar to anti-apartheid South Africans who were fight. Do you know what I mean? I don't think you can do that because it's a very, very particular specific situation. Exactly. But, but I mean, I do, uh, <clears throat> as, uh, as, as a man of, of a certain, certain age, um, I do remember from, from the 80s how, I mean, the IRA were seen, um, I mean, I, I live in Sweden. Sweden has for the most part of the of the of the twentieth century had a left leaning uh ideology uh, uh, ruling ruling our country and i mean movements or political movements like the i r a for instance have always um been seen quite with quite uh, we've always looked on the i r a with quite sympathetical eyes um maybe not yes, when they bombed but because because sweden isn't a colonial power so there is no, that no, we're not and 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 i mean the, the swedish uh, swedish um view of the world during the 60s 70s and 80s was that we weren't we weren't in the west we weren't in the east we were something in between mm. um so for many, at, at least Europeans, um, the IRA wasn't, I mean, they were terrorists, but they were, they were maybe seen as, they were looked upon favorably because the cause was seen as, or was deemed just. 
Yes, and I but I think the the worry with the crown again in that first episode, I I think I should say just just that one thing. Um limited to that that hour. They do slightly portray the, the RA as a as a um as a legitimate freedom fighting uh band. Um and it's a bit more complicated than that. Yes, and it's more complicated it's more complex and it's more because of course Northern Ireland wanted to be part of the United Kingdom. And therefore, it will always be a little bit strange, uh, mm. the, the logistics of it. But having said that, I think what the Crown has done in terms of Ireland is incredibly uh, sensitive. And um, I, I, I don't think it, it does approach that in a partisan way. I don't, I don't think it does do that, but I do, I do think it, it slightly, um, it, pre it presents the IRA as slightly heroic in a way that they are attacking this oppressive mm. regime. And maybe that's not the wisest thing to do. No, but, um... But looking back, you know, in, in a perspective from today to then, um, maybe that's how they're going to be viewed in the future. Especially if, if uh, the North and South, uh, South reunites. Yes, that's yes. actually a good point about kind of constructing um, yeah, and and, um, and 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 I mean, we had—I can't remember what year it was, but it wasn't that long ago when the Queen went to Ireland. The Queen and Prince Philip went to Ireland. 2011, I believe. Yes, and she, 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 she shook hands with the man who ordered Lord Mountbatten's death, or something, didn't she? Well, that—that's what they said at the time, and they said, yeah. you know, she. We don't know. We don't know. Uh -huh. Yes, and, and and when asked, um, and when asked if she agreed with the Queen um, shaking his hand, uh, Countess Mountbatten, who was on the boat that was blown up, said that she did agree. She did agree that that uh, you know let wounds heal and let time, um, and that 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 that, that you know reapproachment is the only thing only way forward so yes I think... but countess mountbatten and we'll get to this later i think countess I, mountbatten I, um said I quite heard... a few things <laughs> that yeah. maybe were not were not so helpful um look it's a difficult period of british history that we are all forced to confront even now, with Brexit and all the rest of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether Peter Morgan was wise to portray the Irish. Uh, and when I say Irish, I mean the, the, the Southern Irish, as um, struggling, and it was a, a terrible time. I'm ignorant on that. I don't know. Um, but I do think that in that, in that first episode... I think you do get a feeling that the British were not welcome 
And so for Peter Morgan, it's essential that you feel that to justify, in quotes, to justify why Lord Mountbatten was killed. And, and I think, if memory serves me, serves me right, the, the whole issue was never, I don't think that to the average viewer um, looking on th that episode, never really realized that there was a Northern Ireland, that there was a sub, that there was a, there was a, a Republic of Ireland, that they, why they were separate and why they, some of them wanted to reunite. So, but, Yes, it did I mean, look quite complicated, and I mean, for most viewers outside of hmm. Britain, like, they are not necessarily aware of the situation, or they haven't been um, informed about it, so it is more complicated for them, kind of, to understand what's happening. Hmm. And I want to kind of use this as an opportunity to kind of talk about his um, letter that was portrayed right before he died, and how... It was really, I think one of the situations they did sidestep was Mountbatten kind of trying to coerce a match between Prince Charles and his granddaughter. And I think it was kind of for the better that they did kind of sidestep that and go straight from uh, Camilla to Diana, especially for the series. Yes, I mean, if they had wanted to, may, I mean, people today and people today forget that you know prince charles was seen as you know he was the most eligible bachelor in the world the late 70s he was um you know the, the you know papers new papers printed posters on him that girls had on their on their wall and it said that the printed that the lady diana had had a poster of um charles on a wall so they, they never really um, made a thing of that, and all. I mean, he had a lot of he had a lot of girlfriends, um, but and they even kind of with the Sarah Spencer, they didn't necessarily portray her as a girlfriend either. It was more of a she's just a friend type thing. Yes, yes. Which I think was really trying to. I think they had a kind of story that they were trying to create was that he was with. Camilla kind of the entire time when in reality it wasn't yes but he then. was he was with Camilla the whole time even if he wasn't physically with her mm -hmm. mentally mentally he, he was he was yeah. determined uh, you know I mean I came to bra watching uh, when I was about 15 and, and I remember this ongoing nonsense this saga of Diana fans and Camilla fans tearing each other apart because they they wanted you know they knew never been there but they wanted to know what was 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 uh, the truth and I think what the Crown did with the Charles Diana um, I'm jumping ahead but the Charles Diana Camilla uh, interaction and the idea that that Mountbatten swore him off Camilla. Um, I seem to remember that, I may be wrong, but that Mountbatten did say to Charles, oh, well, she's good enough for a mistress, but, but don't think of her as a wife. And no. I know it's 
purely fictitious. This Iceland thing is very fictitious. It's all dramatization. But um, I can see that Lord Mountbatten would have said, oh, well, avoid Camilla. She's not the best, you know, and to go for someone else. So I don't think it's that unfair of the crown to, to, to idealize that Camilla was there on the periphery, but she was not his love or his um, interest at that time. There were, there were very uh, many people, girls, that, that Charles wanted um, to court, isn't that a lovely old fashioned expression, but um, that he was, he was courting at that time. Yes. Yes. And, and I mean, um, he couldn't have Camilla. Uh, she was married. Even before she, she married, he was told that you can't, you can't marry a girl with a past. Um, and and past how ridiculous. I mean, that's what this whole season shows you. How ridiculous that Charles couldn't be with the woman that he loved because she had a, a past. I mean, who would have cared? And she, didn't have, and she didn't have that much of a past. She had, she had had a few boyfriends, um, but, the, but, but I mean, this was the sixties. It was the early seventies. Realistically, that she she wasn't a virgin. That's what we're talking about. That she wasn't a virgin. Therefore, but how do we know that Lady Diana was a virgin? Really, she looked like a virgin. But how do we know that she? she she had a test, yeah. <laughs> she had a test. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes, for the legal term. But it's, it's insane that, you know, I mean, we are in this position looking back. But bear in mind, we're hindsight. Now, why would the royal family feel? And in season three, you know, Olivia Coleman, oh, well, why shouldn't he marry Camilla? And then we get Anne and all the rest of them. Oh, no, we, because she's got a past. Oh, she's got a past. Good God, haven't we all? But so we're seeing in this season, and especially Lord Mountbatten's uh, objection to her, why couldn't, why would she not be allowed to marry Charles? That she's got a past. And, and by past, they mean that she's had previous relationships. It's, it seems a very, very archaic. Uh, barrier but then that's what life was like I suppose yes and you think about how kind of quickly attitudes changed especially when someone like Sarah Ferguson married into the family like I believe it was six well we try not to think about that we after Diana think about Fergie marrying in but yes yes she also had a past but but Mm -hmm. around five years after Charles and Diana's wedding but it was total non-issue by then yeah. But, I mean, it proved to be a big issue. Maybe not a past, yeah. but a personality. That's a totally different story that we'll that's, kind of touch on later. And that's, so, for, that's for another episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then, basically, the other kind of uh, major character of the series is Margaret Thatcher. And I believe I wanted to kind of start off by talking a bit about kind of her arrival um, on the royal scene and kind of the visit to Balmoral, which I thought was kind of 
really odd portrayal of her in a way. Well, I think, um, and I, 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 I don't know any facts. I know that you went to Belmoral, uh, like all prime ministers do, but I don't know what happened up there. But I can imagine that she wasn't comfortable on the moors. Um, but I, I find it quite hard to believe. I mean, you can say a lot of things about Margaret Thatcher, but she was a smart lady and she was a tough lady. Um, and I can't imagine her turning up at Balmoral and only having, uh, what did they call it, city shoes um, with her. Um, but I guess that whole, the whole, I, the whole thing about her uh, turning up at Balmoral like that is that we, sh that it, it, it was a leading to her sacking all the old Tory, Tory lords and whatever and bringing in, um, you know, the yeah. new men, yeah. the men of her own. And I think that was kind of, they were, uh, again, they were trying to push this narrative. And um, this one was that Thatcher was this working class girl who'd kind of risen through and she was against the old elites. And which uh, one of the things I found really kind of uh, weird about the portrayal was how when they arrived at Balmoral, because Thatcher had been kind of a conservative minister for a couple of years and uh, her husband was kind of a public school educated millionaire at the time so the fact that they didn't necessarily know how to behave in a country house was very odd and they but they were... didn't they didn't no they yeah. didn't know you see the english aristocracy is divided into brackets and so one bracket is the ones that have just come up and they ape their betters for one margaret thatcher had no idea she had no idea. And so the, the Balmoral test, as it's referred to in the, uh, the show, I think that's actually quite uh, accurate. Mm. She didn't know how to dress or behave, or, but also she didn't care. And that's the thing about Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher was uh, surrounded by men of a certain... Um, class and who you know they went to their country houses at weekends margaret thatcher wasn't like that margaret thatcher uh came up from the, the dregs she was a, a middle class uh lady and she she turned up and but when she came to balmoral and princess margaret i mean which i can't, i can't believe happened i don't think there was ever a scene when princess margaret said you are sitting in Queen Victoria's chair and you mustn't do that. I don't think that's true. Um, but Margaret Thatcher didn't know how to behave in that world. That was Anthony Eden's world. That was Winston Churchill's world mm. of hunting, shooting, fishing. They don't do that. Margaret Thatcher wouldn't have done that. And... But Yes, sorry, darling. What no, no, say? no, I agree. But, but I, I mean, the thing is that 
um, she wasn't, I mean, she wasn't a Macmillan or an Eden or, or a Churchill. She didn't, she wasn't married to the younger son of a Lord or something. But um, the thing about her, as I understand her, um, is that she was an arch conservative, but she was, she was never a snob. Um, and she, I, I, I can't remember which one of you I wrote this to a few days ago, but I mean, she truly believed that anyone could make something of themselves because she had done no, it herself. No, no, she, she, she did feel that, but at the same time, um, yes, but but, but that, that, that's what I, I think you're going to say what I'm going to say. But she also felt that if you didn't do anything of yourself, it was your own fault and you had yourself yes, to blame. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, this whole, um, which, which the Crown does very well, uh, opposing the, the, the life of the royal family to this incomer, you know, the, uh, Margaret Thatcher as a, as a kind of, um, that she's outstaying her welcome. Mm. I don't think that's true. But I, because I think they would have been gracious to anybody that, that came in. Um, but I think you're right that they maybe saw Margaret Thatcher as the greengrocer's daughter who could not quite live up to their expectations. But she saw herself as, why should I be um, exempt from this? And maybe, with a lot of the crown, it's maybe. Uh, maybe she felt that she had to impress and therefore behave differently because of that. Yeah, but could one say one? Oh my God! Could one, you say? Oh God, she's turned into the Duchess of Argyle with her one now. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> no, but could you say that Margaret Thatcher, like many of the conservatives of today, believe in a class system where class isn't defined by birth or, uh, but by merit? in a way. No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I mean, Margaret Thatcher would have had a list of things that she was supposed to do and that she was required, you know, whenever you go to, to a palace or a, mm -hmm. any of their um, sideshows, you're given a, a list and they do refer, refer to that in the crown. Yes, they, they say, do. you know, or oh, this this says we should sleep in separate bedrooms and Dennis is I don't know why Dennis was getting hopeful because God forbid. But you know, <laughs> it's it's one of those things. So maybe um Margaret Thatcher felt that she I felt quite sorry for her actually, and I shouldn't, because I still see her as an evil witch. But I felt, I felt quite sorry for Margaret Thatcher to be thrown into this situation with the ibble dibble and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I thought that's quite hard. If anybody's been in a situation where you're thrown together with somebody's family, you think, oh, you know, what should I do? 
and I, I did feel slightly sorry for her there. I didn't feel sorry for her later on, but I felt sorry for her in the episode, I think it's episode two, where, you know, Ibble Dibble and all this sort of thing. And I, I thought, well, if I was sat before Princess Anne <laughs> and told to do that, I don't know what I'd do. I think I'd fall to pieces. So I don't know. I, I think, um, but, but this is what Peter Morgan does. I mean, I think we have to remember that Peter Morgan wrote this as a play before a TV show. And he's yeah. more interested in the political than he is the, the niceties. So yeah. maybe that's where that comes from. I think that's actually a really good point. And one of the other things I did want to talk about was kind of the contrast that he, they tried to portray through um, kind of Thatcher cooking for the ministers and really people like that when kind of in the royal family, they did not necessarily do that kind of down to earth kind of middle class such as. But, but I mean, she did. Yes, Thatcher apparently did. that is true, which I. Yes. And, and she, 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 she also made, um, she also made a point of as often as she could, she went home at night to cook for her husband. Um, which, I mean, it's quite, it's quite endearing, although, as Sammy said, I, I, I agree with her being an evil witch, but um, she, she <laughs> did. <laughs> but I mean, she, she was very, very, for all her grand ways and everything, she was very, very um, set in a... Yes, but, but darling, she did that because most of the people that were in her cabinet were private schoolboys who liked Matron. And therefore, the idea of Margaret Thatcher serving you up a kedgeree or whatever it may be, is a lovely thing for those for those guys. They came to fetishize. Mm. <laughs> Let yeah. me repeat. And, because and, I'm laughing. They fetishized her as this nanny matron and so when she was making the the uh, the MP's dinner, I thought, well, yes, of course, because she would have done that because the idea is, oh, I'm in charge of you. Or, it's you know, a very yeah. kind of sophisticated power play underneath it all. Hmm. And I mean, there have been, I mean, when you talk about fet fetishizing, there have been enough uh, of uh, 80s uh, Tory sex scandals involving dominating women to to mm. to for for that to to probably be true yes um yes yeah and um, i kind of wanted to bring up another point um kind of what i felt through the series and which is something that i've actually recently seen people also talking about is that it shows that the royal family in a sense um this series more than any other doesn't really show them doing necessarily any work it just, we can see. Well, they don't do any bloody work. But like, no tours. And uh, one of the things I, I was I, discussing with uh, someone about the Australia tour, they kind of portray as like, oh, that's the first time the ro anyone from the family has visited Australia <laughs> since 54. But <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily like that. And it just showed them, 
or they just lounge about the palaces all day, don't really Charles, do anything Charles else. went to Australia in the late 70s. I mean, there are pictures of him on Bondi Beach surfing or something. Yes, yes and uh, he went after his engagement as well. So that yes. was kind of the big tour, but they didn't necessarily portray it like that at all. No, I but, mean, for goodness sake, look, let's take it from a Swedish perspective. Uh, Princess Lillian or Princess uh, Prince Bertha, you know, you see pictures of them and they're taking photos. Yes, they have official engagements, but most of the the, the, uh, the what we learn about them is from their private photo. The truth is, in the seventies and eighties, the, the British royal family did very little. Mm. Mm. They didn't do very much, and. I know people would be very annoyed about that, but they didn't. Yes, and that doesn't necessarily make for good drama either, trying to open a no, I mean, look, in a if the crown, If the Crown was a whole series about the Queen cutting ribbons and all the rest of it, then we'd all be very bored. So they have to inject... But it's ridiculous. Every single royal family, the Dutch, the Danish... Swedish, whoever you care to mention, they were um, just living the life of very rich people, occasionally bobbing down to say, oh, well, we'll open this hospital or whatever. That's, that's not what it was every single day. Oh. And I mean, and I mean, even, even the, the, the famously hardworking Princess Anne um, did very little during the years that she had young children. Yes, she didn't do much. She she yes. had engagements. She 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 uh, she had engagements naturally, but it, you know she was at home with the horses and her most of the time she was at Gatcom with the horses. There was no, that's true. And you know, uh, whatever royal family you you seem to you see because the the times changed. From yeah. 70s to 80s, we suddenly decided we want to see them doing something worthwhile. Yes. And I do think that Diana had a part in that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She, because, no, I think you're right. Yes, because she was, uh, and I mean, as Saad as said, in, in the series, it's, it's uh, portrayed as if she, well, she landed in Sydney and she'd never been facing the crowds before. But, I mean, she, ha she had been married. When, when did the tour happen? In 83? It was March 83, so she'd been married for yes. quite a couple. Uh, yeah, I she believe did. a year and a bit by that point. So yeah, so, so, I mean, she had had engagement. She had been working. She had gone to Princess Grace's funeral, for instance. Um, so she wasn't a total newcomer to, to all of it. And she had been adored by the crowds before Australia. But, but I guess it all fits. It, 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 it's portrayed like that because it fits the narrative. Um, yeah. It fits the narrative that um, she was, she had, that she was unloved, that she had no idea she was popular. Uh, that she was all alone in Kensington Palace, which, I mean, she was, but... I think but... that's one of the other things I have on my list is kind of talking about Diana's early years because they don't necessarily establish that Charles and Diana kind of had this in kind of between 80, 
82 to like 85 or 86, they did have kind of happy uh, relations with each other. And they were necessarily, they did build a public presence and they didn't necessarily go towards establishing her as a figure and more just went straight into the trouble part of it. Yes. No, Which, I, again, I don't agree. I, th- I think that th- what the crown showed, even though, you know, she was in, um, dressed like a pixie or something. Yes, um, it was before they married. No, it was yeah. the first time they allegedly met. Yeah, but I, I think they showed quite a nice uh, view of that. I think. Yeah, they did. It, was quite sweet in a way that he was enchanted by her uh that she was uh very naive and and she was but yes i think they were quite uh sweet about the way they portrayed that first meeting which was not the first meeting i mean we know that no it wasn't um i think the way the crown presented it i i thought they were quite um genteel so i'm not angry about that you know i think it was quite adorable and that she was um i mean i think i think about the whole series i felt oh i felt more for diana than i had ever felt Mm. yes and actually that's one of the things i did want to talk about later on but while we're still on the subject of the australia tour I talked to a couple of Australian friends about The Crown recently, and they were actually quite, in a sense, uh, angry that they really portrayed the entire tour through that Republican angle. And they really wanted to say that um, the Republican kind of argument in Australia is a lot more complex than just having one or two tours to kind of make it go away. And it's really long-standing, but also that uh, they said, uh, one of my friends told me this interesting like bit of gossip, that Diana actually submitted a bill to the Australian government for her clothes after the tour. And the Prime Minister... Yes, but darling, you're, you're talking about, you know, Diana, in the, the things that came out later. I mean, we know, for example, uh, so many years on that she charged her staff for the uh, bills that were charged to hotels um, where they stayed. Let's not even get into the Rain Spencer incident. You know, we're seeing a different Diana in the crown that we know to be the Diana of fact. Yes, and that's actually one of the most interesting points and that's one of the things the series has done absolutely great is that they have portrayed kind of the complexities of diana's character rather than this one-sided portrayal that we're i think we've only seen in the past yes but but i mean we have to remember that this is a soap opera and i mean it's based on things that some that might have happened that never happened or uh, empty rumors or things that did did happen that they portray in another way than it did happen to fit the narrative that the the, the series uh, 
want to do, uh, want to um, um, sell. Um, but it's a soap opera, and that's what, as we've seen on Twitter the last week or so, a lot of people have troubles with. They they don't know if it's true or not, so they either they attack people who say they like the series, or they uh, they believe everything. Yes, and I think that's why. Um, the, the the last part, people believing any everything, is why allegedly again Charles had his friends speak to the media about how worried they were and how angry they were uh, about but that's, this. That is the point, darling. You know, we have so many people that have given their uh, inside knowledge. Yes, yes, yes. To to the press, and now. They're furious that they have come back with that and said, oh, no. I mean, Peter Morgan, I've read uh, Giles Brandreth's book and, you know, name it. It doesn't matter. Uh, and all of a sudden, that's coming back because they're using what was published then as mm. the bedrock of this series. Mm. Well, my answer to people like Dickie Arbiter and whatever, who leaked information, Mountbat Countess Mountbatten, Pamela Hicks, who I adore, but, oh, yeah. you know, and they have given this information. You can't be furious now that, that Peter Morgan has used that information. You should have been quiet I mean, and not could, said. No, I mean, you could make a film about the uh, Mountbatten sister interview in, I can't remember which magazine it was, L Vogue. Because they were not quiet. And if they, no. you know, and Patricia Mountbatten, God bless her, said, uh, oh, well, Charles said this. Charles said that. Okay, fine. Now, Charles told her to say that in the middle of this crazy period that was the early 90s. She wanted him to, to be, to be uh, loved. Um. Mm. You can't now take that back. No. Yeah. And, you know, if Pat was, if Lady Patricia was alive today, she wouldn't take it back because she no. doesn't care. And no, Pam, exactly. And, and, uh, and uh, Pamela, I mean, she would never take anything back because she gives, I mean, she gives zero Fs these days. Um, I mean, oh, the for things... goodness sake, look, every single person, uh, Pamela Mountbatten, uh, Patricia, uh, Dickie Arbiter, even allegedly. Uh, Let's say allegedly, for goodness' sake, uh, we don't want to get sued. <laughs> but they, in the early nineties, they were the only ones. Oh yes, we want to say this about Diana, that about Charles, or, and all of a sudden they're furious that Peter Morgan has dramatised this. That's ridiculous. Yes, you can't that do that. No, that that is a very fair point because I, who who um, was old and who 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 is old enough to remember those days, the early nineties, the mid nineties, and this was, I mean, this was before the divorce. This was before Diana got killed. Um, um, I mean, there were TV specials every week w mm. with the 
posh old ladies who, who said they were reporters or writers or whatever. Um, you know, they, they were they were they were they, they were saying things that were that would be so shocking today that they would be sued. But nobody cared these days. Uh, those days, and, and uh, probably... no, because because they gave the the royals themselves gave permission. Yes, exactly for yeah. things to be leaked. The palace itself was kind of leaking things, both kind of palaces at the time, and that's I think what was most important. And in a sense, we didn't necessarily get that until um, with the recent kind of the issues with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So that's kind of why we were more... Oh, talk. but darling, I mean, they, they, you know, they, they, it's not the same. Yes. No, it's not it, the same. It's, it's not, not the all. same. Yeah. Because now uh, you have someone who is aware of, of the machine that, that, that filters information to the great unwashed. Yes. They know what they're doing. It's, it's not the same. And what you have in the crown, and this is what annoys me most about people who say, oh, well, it's ridiculous, we shouldn't. No, no, no. What Peter Morgan has clearly done is to have um, taken uh, stories from people who were there in biography, Giles Brandreth's book, uh, what William Shawcross's book, etc and he's brought that to the screen now that doesn't mean that's necessarily true it doesn't mean it's unimpeachable but it does mean that we we get a view of who they are through a tv series but uh, harry no 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 he wants us to believe that what he says is a hundred percent true. Yeah, and and uh, Peter Morgan is not doing that. Peter Morgan is saying, "Oh well, we have ten thousand uh, sources," and we, we are. Want... And Peter Morgan is really trying to tell a story. At the end of the day, he hasn't necessarily yes. cared about trying to portraying it accurately. Yes, but from one source, him. He wants us to believe that it's one source from him. Yes. Not Prince Harry, where it's 10,000 sources. No, no, no. He wants us to believe that this is what he found uh, through studying these books and what we should believe is true from that. Yes. Mm. So uh, I also wanted to talk with you both about kind of um, some other kind of things that they did put inside this series, like um, the inclusion of Nerissa and Catherine Bowes Vine, the apartheid mm. episode, and kind of uh, the avalanche and Michael Fagan, and how kind of they put these really 80s markers inside, as was the Falklands War, in which Prince Andrew's role was briefly mentioned but then didn't necessarily come up later on. <laughs> briefly mentioned yes as brief as as brief as he as you know, brief as it could be <laughs> yes um yeah but i mean i mean i i think with andrew and i must say he was portrayed very uh, unsympathetically as was edward 
but but I mean, I think Peter Morgan had to have a really good think about how much he wanted Prince Andrew to feature in the series. Because one, I mean, Prince Andrew is in the headlines. He's in the news all all the time now. So yeah. it would be a good thing to, to have in the series. But on the other hand, if you bring him in, you have to mention all the other things. Um, yeah. and he, but isn't it very difficult Sorry, darling. Isn't it very difficult that Prince Andrew was the the um? He was the star, you know. The star, the star. Well, he was he, the golden was, child because he'd been yeah, in the yes, Falklands yes. He and the war, he was the war hero. Yeah, and he yeah, married, yeah. He married the the the, the boisterous, um, uh, spontaneous, uh, yeah. you know, lady, girl from the country. Who was everything that Diana wasn't, and and all uh, of a sudden we're supposed to then go off of that and think, you know, Andrew. I was going to say something there that was litigious. I'm not going to say, <laughs> but you know, Andrew today is not the Andrew in the film. Yes. No. Definitely not. But I guess it fits the narrative again. And I'm sure the next season we'll see a toe being sucked. But, but. Oh, no. Uh, no, I don't think the next season will dare. You don't? No, I don't. I don't. I think th the thing about this season is that, yes, uh, it showed the roles to be not very considerate, not very kind, and, well, they tend to be a little bit brutal to their own. I mean, I think we've all learned that over the years. Um, but next season, oh God, no, they won't do that. No, no, no. No. No, I don't but, think they will even include, because I mean, at this, for this season, we barely saw Andrew and Sarah being included at all, and they're mm -hmm. not necessarily even being introduced properly. No, I don't think okay. that is the role at all. So I doubt they'll include thank Andrew. god for sarah i mean goodness gracious me who would they have got to play her mrs brown i i just can't bear the idea that we would have to sit through you know a sympathetic portrayal of sarah god yes um, i mean but, but... i was wondering how they would handle it um before that i saw the series uh when because basically with last season we did get kind of this revival in a sense of princess anne in the popular imagination and i was mm. kind of thinking how they would do that no but i like anne princess anne I, I i think the the portrayal of princess anne i thought was very uh not sympathetic but i thought that was very realistic that, yes the way yeah. she is and and and, and uh, i must say that i can't remember uh, the actress's name erin something Erin whoever, but she was marvellous as Princess yes. Anne. And I think, I think that she has been very good at showing, in a way that Princess Anne herself doesn't, but she has been very good at showing that beneath this very, very thick facade, um, there is a very vulnerable younger or there was a very young, vulnerable young woman 
Um, and she does it just by, you know, a glance or a twitch with the mouth or uh, looking down instead of looking up. And I think she's, it's brilliant. She's it's a, a very, she's a, it's a very good portrayal. Yes, it is. And, and I, I think, think that the I Queen think, Mother, the Marion Bailey, who, thank goodness, because the last series she had nothing to say and she wasn't at all interesting. But oh, she said something about alcohol. Did she? Yes, she said there's always time for a drink. It's always the right oh, time yes. for it. <laughs> yes. Um, but apart from that, she had nothing to contribute no. To, no. to the next series. And in series four, what are we? Series four? Series, yes. series four. She said, uh, you know, she had a much more defined role. The, the, the issue with uh, the nieces and uh, all of us, she, she played a part and that gave Marion Bailey a very, very good uh, opportunity to display what she does. Um, mm. And I think that was wonderful. I think that was so good for, for her as an actress. I think yeah. it was wonderful because yeah. each actor is confined by what they can do. Princess Anne, the actress, I, again, I can't remember her name, but she can kick off and because we know Princess Anne would do that. But in terms of the Queen Mother, no, we know the Queen Mother's this little dumpy, uh, lovely lady who never speaks out of turn. So when you get an actress like Marianne Bailey who can come in and say, oh no, I'm going to, to voice my opinion. It's a good sign. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And she did in The Crown. I mean, you know, when they, when they came out and said, oh, uh, Princess Margaret's off with Roddy Llewellyn and she said, this is a fact, this is a fact. I thought that was marvellous. And then in the next series, when, you know, oh, well, you've, you've got these two nieces and they're in a, a hospital. And, oh, well, we did that because I thought that was wonderful. That because yeah. it gave her, the actress, the chance to uh, contribute to the series, which she hadn't done before. Yes. Yes. And, talk, and talking about the nieces, uh, Nerissa and Catherine. Catherine. Yes. 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 I, 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 I had heard about that episode before from someone I know who had seen screeners. Oh, um, she's got friends in high places, dear. She knew. Ah, she knew. <laughs> um, no, but, but um, I had heard that uh, it was an uncomfortable episode to watch. So I went, and it was, and I, so I went into it um, quite reluctantly. But I must really? say that, yes, but I must say that I found the episode quite good. I mean, most, I mean, those of us who follow Royals knew about these nieces. Yes. Um, and I actually thought, um, because Lady Elizabeth Anson, their niece died um, at the start of the month. And I got she, quite yes. a few dozen comments kind of saying, oh, I hated how they treated Nerissa and Catherine. Mm -hmm. And so kind of when the episode came out, I was like, oh, and, it just uh, isn't more of a proper imagination. Elizabeth yeah. and she was the niece, was she? Yes. So yes. she was, uh, so yes. Nerissa and Catherine's sister was uh, married to Prince George of Denmark. 
And yes. before that, she was married to a white count Anson, and with yes. that, she had Lord Litchfield and Lady Elizabeth. Oh, well, good for her. Yeah, but but I I actually after I had watched the whole episode, I felt that it was very it was well written, um, and I mean the part about the girls and their cousins were, as far as I know, factual. It wasn't. You know, there was no sensualism and um, no sensationalism. Um, There were no, they were no, it was facts. But what I felt was the the good thing about the episode was how it tied into uh, Princess Margaret. Yes, I really like how they made that kind of link to her and... Her and her mental out. health is, uh, issues, um, and I mean, it gave us an opportunity to see Anglin Connor, um, and they found an actress who almost looked like her. Um, yes. I mean, it was spot on, you know, visually. It was um, wonderful. She, she yes. looked, she looked exactly like her. Like but the real one, yeah. I think that one of the big things that people don't like about the Crown is that maybe they're portraying, not the, the rest of them, you know, Charles and, but maybe the Queen Mother isn't the soft, uh, no. wonderful, you know, fantastical fairy queen we know her to be. And that maybe she was not. Cookie had uh, horses, let's just say. I wasn't going to call her Cookie, and you've done that. So <laughs> the doors are open now. You can do that. <laughs> no, now we it... can destroy her. But no, I'll, no. Call her, I'll call her Tea Cozy instead because tea that's cozy. what no, the that's tea what cozy. Princess Marina did. Yeah, but um, I think that up until now we've always thought of the Queen Mother as this lovely lady who was, you know, with her big hats and her black teeth. She and transformed we... the monarchy, you know, after the yes, There's this narrative that's been created around her. Yeah, and how wonderful. And I think maybe it's a good thing that we're looking at what her life was was really about. Mm. Uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe the person, I mean, maybe the person she became i mean it's quite obvious that the person she became she became because she was from i mean it took a few she it took a, a few months for her to go from a duchess uh, who who was destined to live in the country to to be queen and empress of you know 50 percent of the world yes. and that has to do something to you yeah yeah and I mean, okay. nowadays, we don't necessarily think of it. I mean, I, in the past, I didn't really think of it as that big of a deal. Oh, I mean, they were already royals. They were quite in close proximity to the throne. They should have kind of had an inkling. Or, I mean, they did tours and stuff, so they should have some... But, uh, but, but I, I mean, being empress but, and being about this is something totally different. Yes, and, I'm, and I mean... Uh, a telling thing is that when she became, or when her husband uh, became king, they didn't even live in a palace. They lived in a house. Yes. Yes. They, they lived, lived in a normal, well, normal. Forty-five Piccadilly. Yes. I mean, they lived in a house, and they had to move into Buckingham Palace, which seems to be a horrible place to live in. But um, 
so, so no wonder she became tough because she had to. And those kind of actually, I would love to see a like a drama on those years of the late thirties in which they actually became king and queen and kind of how they did transform their role up till the end of the Second World War, and mm. really because that is just a defining kind of period of their lives and for the monarchy in general because it really has shaped the way we see the monarchy today. But she was the queen of uh, victimhood. Yeah. The idea that she was so put upon and she had this terrible situation. And in truth, she loved being queen. And okay. that's why uh, the years afterwards, she was such a difficulty because, uh, you know, she wasn't in control. I mean, if you think about the Queen Mother, she destroyed Charles's life. Because oh, yeah, she did. She decided. And probably Margaret's life too, because. Oh, I and Princess the Margaret, Peter who. thing was not yes. all the government or the Queen, it was the Queen Mother. Mostly. It was the Queen Mother. It was the Queen Mother. And this whole idea that, you know, the Duchess of Windsor caused uh, the King's death. No, uh, chain smoking caused the, the King's death. Yeah. But, but the Queen Mother was very much this, uh, she was a kind of emotional vampire in a way. She sucked up any misery and took it onto herself. And you saw that in the, in the last series, you know, oh, well, I can't possibly give a speech. Give a damn speech. That's what you're paid for. Okay. It's ridiculous. And, you know, in this, uh, the fourth series, Marion Bailey was finally given a chance to, to get to grips. And when she uh, said with uh, Margaret, which I don't believe ever happened, I don't think there was ever a situation where Margaret went to her and said, oh, mummy, why, why were these girls hidden away? Um, no, no. When uh, the Queen Mother said, oh, but we were worried about the royal families, uh, you know, if, the, if they may have affected our bloodline. I do believe that. Yes. I do yes. believe that because the yes. Queen Mother was Survival always was obsessed. Mm. And, and I mean, we have to remember that, I mean, pe disabled people and, and people with, with, with um, well, d d disabilities, I mean, they were hidden away. They were hidden away until yes. the 70s or and the 80s. And that was the case for mostly, I think, people of all classes, not just... And no, I exactly. Mean, and uh, exactly. One of the examples and, 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 that we were discussing, I believe, with, I think it was with you uh, recently, was the case of Princess Cecilia of Prussia, who had exactly. Down syndrome, and exactly. her parents really yes. And better. and who was the who was the woman? Uh, was it Pauline uh, Wurttemberg who was? Uh, she was so fat she couldn't move, and she yes. had a you know, and they ignored her as if she didn't exist mm. purely because she was overweight and she couldn't move. Uh, and the royal family. And we had. And and we had in in Sweden in the late well in the late eighteen hundreds and the early nineteen hundreds we had uh, Princess Theresia who was she, she was mad she was completely mad and she she was sent away you know they sent her to the continent to recuperate and then when she came back they locked her up at Haga at the Haga Palace where the Crown Princess lives today um, and they were you know. 
the times, I mean, the, in the 1800s and the early 1900s, you could do that. You could hide people away because, yes. as you, because as you said earlier, Sammy, most royals, they never worked. They, they weren't public figures. They were, they were, they were pictures, you know, they were, they were pictures. pictures. They did some state functions, a parade or a banquet. Yes. And that yes. was it. Um, because of the ideal, because of yeah. the ideal, and that's what in that episode the the Queen Mother says, oh, well, no, because the ideal, and we couldn't possibly have anybody, uh, you know, who uh, discouraged that. Well, actually, the, the irony is the way the royal family behaved to the Duke of Windsor or uh, Princess Margaret, or that was worse than what mm. you consider, you know, they treated those people worse. And I think that's my whole take on this, this season. Uh, and especially with, with that episode, the idea that we're supposed to believe that the Royal family had to take action because they were uh, an inconvenience. They were not particularly bright or, you know, and they were an inconvenience. No, the inconvenience was the way that they behaved that mm, the yeah. queen mother stepped in and Norman Mountbatten said, Oh no, Charles, you can't marry Camilla for goodness sake. Why not? Why they, not? Who no, would have but, cared? Uh, no, I mean, and they've the caught same thing with the I think Princess Margaret and Peter Townsend that people were in support of and probably in support of Wallace and Edward back yes, in the day as well. Who would have cared? Who would have cared? And if you know the Duke of Windsor. The Duke and Duchess of Windsor had come to Britain and had lived there. Who the hell would have cared? But that's our fault, you see. And I said mm. this uh, online. We are the villains in all this. Yes. Mm. We're the ones who say, oh, no, we don't like that. Oh, no, we, we wouldn't. While doing the same ourselves, mm. you know, the, we are the ones who, who set this unrealistic expectation. And it's unfair. Well, yes. then when people don't they're, they're... necessarily go, um, fall short, like we were seeing, we have a contemporary example in the Duke, Duke and Duchess of Sussex and how kind of their role and has changed in the past year. And in a sense, I do see parallels with how kind of, as kind of the public has treated mm -hmm. them in this sense. But there are lots of other issues with that case. Yes, I, I do believe if, I mean, if we have to mention the Sussexes, um, I do believe that right or wrong, um, they went into, I mean, I mean, Harry was part of the system already, but they went into a system with expectations of the things that they could do and for whoever fought for, for wherever the blame lies, if we have to, you know, put the blame somewhere, uh, the system and their expectations and want, what they wanted to do couldn't, um, they couldn't, you know, match up, which is the same thing that happened to, you know, um, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, what was it, King Edward something? Yeah, the eighth. The eighth, sorry, you know, uh, because of the system, you know, King Edward couldn't marry a divorced American because of the system. Princess Margaret. No, because of, 
because of the insane approach we take, and I said this before, where we put the royal family in a gilded cage and then we rock it from side to side and wait for it to fall. Now, that's up to us. Now, you put uh, Wallace and David in that cage and you see, oh, how far can we swing it until they fall? And then Charles and Diana, and even now, Harry and Meghan. How can we destroy them? The, the British public are very fickle. And we love to see, we build these people up and then we love to see them fall. And that's what this is, around, this is about now and what it was with Charles and Diana, uh, which you see in the ground. And Wallace and David, which we see in the ground. The idea that we, the public, are in control and the royal family are constantly trying to fit what we want. And yet we can't decide what we want. So the royal family take action, uh, you know, or well, Margaret can't marry Townsend because the public wouldn't like it. The public wouldn't give a sh I almost no. said something. The, the public wouldn't care. No, but do you think that that's why they are so rigid in their approach to things, you know? They try to steer, you know, steer a very clear and steady course through um, the stormy waters of the British public's opinion of something, something bad metaphor. Yes, then... they, they, they think that we will hate them because they do something, yeah. um, which in actual fact we wouldn't care, we wouldn't mind. Uh, but they have taken on this view of what the public are. I mean, until the Queen Mother died, the, the Queen felt that what Queen Mary felt was the way the public felt. That's not true. And no. I honestly feel that, you know, with the Crown, it's slightly showing, it's turning the blame on us. Mm. It's saying you are to blame. And that's why people are so, uh, you know. Riled up about it. Yes. yes. We are the ones who wanted Charles to marry a virgin. We are mm. the ones who wanted our Princess of Wales to be some kind of fairy goddess. We are mm. the ones that went, you know, it's all on us. And you can't see that in any other way. The prime example is to look at Princess Margaret. Look how we destroyed Princess Margaret. You know, mm. we, now, we now, as a country, uh, I think most people think, oh, Princess Margaret, that old drunk who used to, you know, fall about and gamble. No, no, no. We did that to her. Yes. We did that to her because in the 50s, we said, oh, no, she mustn't marry a married man. If Princess Margaret had married Peter Townsend, oh, how happy she'd have been. All right, maybe not for long, but oh. we could have, at least it would have been uh, an emission of humanity on our part to say, no, we don't get to control these people. That's what we're doing now. We're controlling these people. Harry, Meghan, the same. We mm. want them 
to fit to our idea of royalty, but the minute they go too far, we don't like it and we want to pull them back. Mm. Exactly. That's a very powerful point that you've made. And I kind of want to ask that, do you think it's the public who's to blame or is yes. this media narrative that kind of do the royal family fear the public or do they fear the media and how they'll kind of twist what they're doing? Hmm. I don't I know mean, who you're asking. Both of you. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it. I don't really know, but I mean, it, it, as, Sammy, as Sammy said, the British public is a fickle thing, but the British media is. Um, I mean. Scum. scum. Yeah. They yes. are some. Have they quite a lot of power in kind of British society? Yes, mm. they they are, and they they will whip up any. I mean, this is the thing with the reaction to the series. Oh, uh, you, you know, you have the Daily Mail, the the Telegraph. Oh no, this is awful. You mustn't watch this. Oh, why? Because we might think for ourselves. Yes. About the way that you treated them. You know, I mean, I. It was hilarious to me that Piers Morgan was saying, the crown is unfair. You were editor of the News of the World and you were the one who put in every single thing. Every time Diana farted, you put in a damn story. Mm. But I mean, it, it, um, I remember that when, when Diana died, uh, there was a huge debate about who was to blame. And people blamed the media, the, the paparazzis, the, the 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 you know the evil reporters and these were the same people the same part of the public who went out and bought the magazines that published the paparazzi. exactly exactly um yes. so we want them to be performing monkeys and when they uh perform well we're very happy and when they slide down we're we're suddenly we're outraged it's very unfair. I don't know how they survive with with this uh, with this. But do they? But do they survive? Because as we've seen, I mean, um, I mean, many members of the royal family. I mean, we mentioned Harry earlier. He's he's. I mean, he's left the country because of. Um, the pressures from the public and the media. No, he's he's fled the country because he doesn't like the idea that he has to work for a living. Okay, that's that's the reason. He <laughs> he doesn't like. Well, no, it's true. It is. He true. he yeah. wants the adulation and the and the uh, sycophancy, but he doesn't want to do what what is required okay but so let me rephrase it he doesn't want to work and because of the bad press of that the backlash against that he felt um that he had to leave the country because he couldn't stand being criticized for it they basically want to be able to do uh, what they want, get praised for it, but have 
absolutely no one to kind of hold them accountable for it. They want exactly, the, exactly, uh, and that, that's and why I, that's why I object to the to the comparisons to the Duke of Windsor. He wanted to work. Mm. The Duke of Windsor wanted a role to play. Harry yes. doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want that. And I thought that was intriguing. The idea that somebody said. Oh, well, he should complain to Netflix because they've signed this uh, contract with Netflix. Um, and he should complain because it's so awful. Yeah. And but, what should he, but if he complains, they, they'll take his $100 million away. So why should he? And if he does and they listen to it, then we're Thailand. Yes, exactly. Yes. We're not, we're not right Yes, we're not Bangkok, for goodness sake. I mean, this is, this is the whole thing summarized in, in one single swoop. Uh, if people are angry that the, that the Crown portrays the royal family in a certain way, fine. But we, we're not in Mary Whitehouse territory where we're not allowed to do that. It's censorship. We, we, we don't want uh, a series of... of uh, television programs that is only limited to what's positive. And I think one of the things that has to be said about The Crown is that it has brought the royal family's story to kind of the public, especially the public of today and the younger generation who weren't necessarily aware of it because, I mean, I'm in university and when I tell people what I do for a living and they have absolutely no idea who is in the royal family. And quite a lot of people don't even know who Diana was at all. So now this well, really brings them back into the pop world. Read the book, dear. You know, I mean, this is the thing. Oh, the, 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 the crown is going to bring down the monarchy. Well, if it does, then the monarchy is not worth much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the monarchy has weathered bigger storms, much bigger storms than the if crown. They could, if they could get through the real thing, I'm sure they can get through uh, a dramatization and exactly. read a damn book. Pick up a book. Yeah. And, and uh, Sammy, you made a point in a thread on Twitter, I think. Oh, where you don't said... hold that against me. Don't bring my own <laughs> no, words but, against no, me. But, no, but you, you made a very, I, I felt it was a very good point that, that um, you know, the 80s and 90s, and maybe even in, in the 70s, I don't remember, but it was like 20 years of constantly ongoing scandals and misery. And it was a mess. It was it an was absolute mess. mess. And, 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 and I mean, of course, today, I mean, we have today's uh, view of the Queen uh, or of today's image of the Queen. Um, and I mean, at the time, of course, she was also, she was the same, you know, rigid uh, woman with hair that doesn't move. But she, she, I mean, she was, crit she herself was personally criticized and ridiculed and all the time in a way that wouldn't be possible today. So, so if they... You're right. You're completely right. And I thought this with... Uh when I was watching earlier with Margaret Thatcher, uh, the, when she came out of Downing Street and she announced she was a grandmother, um, and I think people forget that 
how you know you had spitting image and whatever mm -hmm. the 80s was not so deferential no it was as what had come before and you know the queen uh the queen was suddenly fair game for for Chris. certainly margaret thatcher was Mm. You know, I mean, there she was hurtling towards the, the camera. We are a grandmother. You know, you say, oh, for goodness sake. I mean, it was, it was so silly. It was so silly. And I think that people, uh, modern As I was thinking uh, when I saw that the we are, I was like, who's we? You and your army. Like, oh, but Margaret Thatcher was mad as a brush by that point. <laughs> <laughs> she was. You know, yes, but but there's this idea that in the in the 80s, I think, and this is the, the time that the series focus on. We were not so deferential. We we were happy to take the piss mm. out of these people, and so yes, it would be lovely if it was. You know, um, I mean, when Princess Margaret tells uh, Margaret Thatcher off for sitting in the Queen Victoria's chair. You think, could that have happened? And then you think, yes. And it's a lovely camp uh, yeah. tribute to Princess Margaret because Princess Margaret was quite camp. Um, and I, I, you know, for me, I love the idea of that argument of that. But it's because I think maybe we're now not so deferential that we accept they behaved this way. But yeah, yes. But could it be? I mean, in the eighties, there was still—and correct me if I'm wrong—but um, there was still. I mean, you were you weren't as deferential uh, as it had been before, but you still accepted. You know, uh, you still curtsied, and you still. You were, oh, you were no, no. I think you were the upper class. The upper you were class. different. Yes, but I mean, you were deferential in a way. Um, I mean, you accepted that the system was there, but you could ridicule the queen in the same way. But today, if you ridicule the queen, um, you're a Republican. Well, I don't know. I mean, I grew up... Uh, Margaret Thatcher, I was three when Margaret Thatcher was kicked out. And growing up in the in the 90s, I think Margaret Thatcher was the biggest figure of fun there possibly. But I also think the Queen was. There was less of a, um, she's, you know, divine right and all that. I, you, it was suddenly, from the 80s onwards, you could almost mock the Queen. And it was okay. Mm. And she wasn't the, the, the grand dame of, you could mock her. And mm. maybe I think the crown channels that in a way, that mm -hmm. she wasn't uh, above reproach. And I think that uh, kind of mocking thing was at its height at, uh, around the time Diana died and kind of the, a big oh, yes. issue oh, after yes. that. But then since then, oh, yeah. her kind of role has completely changed. And by kind of the time for Golden Jubilee, five years later, you knew you could not reproach the queen at all. 
I don't know. I mean, when I was young, I was uh, 10, I think, when Diana died. And we went to lay flowers at Kensington Palace. And I don't know why, but I remember doing that. Um, but when I was growing up after that, I, I do seem to remember that the Queen was uh, a game for a laugh. You know, you, you could take the piss out of the Queen. Um, she wasn't uh, the Claire Foy Queen that we could, uh, we, we were supposed to worship. There was yeah. no divine right anymore. No, it, it, it had all gone. But then yes. at the same time, by the time I got to the age when I really was uh, aware of, of, of royalty, um, which was probably the, the Golden Jubilee, suddenly the Queen was wonderful and you daren't mock mm. the Queen and she was wonderful. And she... So I think what the Crown is doing, and I, and I really think people need to understand this, this is part of an overarching story. And mm. what you've just seen is one of many instalments in what the Queen will be in the next series. When Imelda Staunton takes over the Queen, she will be the woman that we adore and that we love. And, you know, she's a bit dull, but she's <laughs> is lovely and the nation's grandmother. Yes, but when I was growing right up, certainly... Yeah, but when I was certainly, when I was growing up, she was not that woman. She was someone to mock and to, and to, uh, we had no image of, but, of what she was like. No, but could that, I mean, I mean, of course, uh, there is a saying in Sweden about the Bernadots that they, um, they, 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 they mature very late, they get very old, and as they age, for every year that they age, they get more popular. Um, and it seems well, the queen the does. It seems to be the same with, well, yes, in Sweden, with, with this king, the current king, but his predecessors, uh, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, his... Mm, the one who came before that, but I mean, is it the same in Britain that you know she's been there so long that most people, she, I mean, she's as constant as the, the you know, the Palace of Westminster or, or yeah, I mean, the Houses of Parliament or, or it is for the Queen. It's not for Charles. No, 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 definitely yeah. not. And and also, I wonder. I mean, Britain has the UK. Sorry well, mostly England maybe, has changed a lot in the last, you know, 10 years or so in a way that many of us, at least abroad, could never have imagined. No, and... I think that there's a certain disconnect. I mean, you know, one of the big charges is, oh, well, it will uh, spur the, the argument. Uh, people will hate Camilla, people will hate Charles all over again. That was never going to go away. We're still still talking about Anne Boleyn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if if anybody thought that this is the reason, and I'm quite serious about this, that yes, when the Queen dies, God forbid, and God love her, yes, we will all be shocked and we will pay our dues to Charles in the first couple of weeks. But I promise you, before the coronation of King Charles III or what George 
eighth or whatever he chooses to be, uh, you will see the Diana stuff come back. Mm-hmm. This was never ever going to go away, ever. No. And, and I have I have a feeling that you know, um, I mean, we live in a very difficult time now for the world. Um, I and I mean, we're going to face enormous economic difficulties and i mean yes. the, the the uk were in the uk has placed themselves in many other difficulties economic difficulties and the royal family have has in the, the in the last few decades been constant their, their finances has been constantly um under scrutiny, uh, under scrutiny. so but I that goes will, back to to margaret thatcher Yes, no, but, but I mean that, I think that, I mean, I mean the, the mere concept of, an, of a coronation, uh, which is going to be very expensive, um, will be challenged. And, yes. and, the, and, and then also we have the, uh, what, what should you call it, the ideological uh, aspect of a coronation, which I think is foreign to most people living today. Yes, and and I think that you're right, and it goes back to Margaret Thatcher with this sudden presidential style mm. that yeah. she had. That the, and they picked up on this in the ground. You know, the idea when Michael Fagan said, "Oh well, she's coming for your job next." She did. Yes, and and they made a point of 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 uh, showing the victory parade after yes. the Falklands War. Yes, and and you know Margaret Thatcher when she. Uh, realized that much like her cabinet, which is why she <laughs> she destructed, she could do it all herself. Yes, and she didn't need the queen. And she did, you know, for all the oh, your majesty, I'm so happy, all that nonsense, the ironic curtsies, and all of that. Yeah, all that crap. Margaret Thatcher realized she was the one who mm. called the shots, and yes. I'm not saying that Boris would be the same. He hasn't got the sense, but if he did. No, but um, I mean, when, I mean, for instance, when Swedish politicians in the 60s and 70s realized the same thing, they almost abolished the monarchy. Yes. And the only, and the only thing that saved the monarchy was the popular support. It, I mean, the popular support was enormous. Um, and... But, I mean, we still have the conflict between politicians who know that the monarchy doesn't really mean anything practical. And the only thing that stops them from challenging it, um, when in government at least, is um, the public's opinion on it, of it. But darling, do you think that's to do with Victoria? Do you think that that's they look forward to the next... See here, nobody looks forward to the next generation because it's Charles. And I adore him, but I, I, I think most people... Uh, but isn't the, big, isn't the big problem in the UK maybe that... I mean, many idolise uh, the perfect Cambridge family, but they don't really look forward to King William either. Well, I don't know. I, I, I think most of the, 
the prospects of King William are based on the prospects of the United Kingdom, which at the moment seems doomed. Um, mm. But but what I see with the Swedish uh, royal family is that most people look to Victoria, and and if they've got issues with, I mean, Augusta, I mean, they say, oh well, at least Victoria's coming soon. Here they yes. don't. They say, oh well, yes, we've got to get through Charles. But well, William, well, well I, mean, I mean, I mean, the the, the, the Swedish political establishment of today wouldn't abolish the monarchy because of Carl Gustav and his uh, yeah uh, his antics um, and and th 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 they wouldn't keep the monarchy just because of Victoria but she is very very popular um, but I mean I hear I hear um, even people in my family who adore, you know, watching the Nobels, adore the tiaras and the jewels and the dresses, but even they are saying that, well, it's nice, but a monarchy isn't really, is it really a, um, a valid form of government? I think so, one of the biggest uh, kind of things uh, calling kind of against abolishing monarchies these days is the alternative is yes, kind of yes. even worse than what they have. And yes, but I mean, look at look at Bunny in Romania. I mean, she she has this uh, kind of it half in half out situation, yes. and maybe if you looked at, at that, you know, where they maybe play a limited role. And that's what the crown is really asking is, mm. should we, it's not about the role of the monarchy, I don't think the crown is. Yeah. It's about how we relate to them. How we relate. And I think it's more about kind of it as a form of government and also the big funding aspect of it is the big issue. Especially Do you think, I, I, didn't, I didn't take that from, from the show. I didn't think it was about uh, money. No, I'm talking about in general. As, um, oh, in general. Uh, yes. Especially for the Crown, actually, one of the things that I believe that it's doing is it's really kind of making Prince Charles seem like a very sympathetic character, uh, in a sense. But he is, which, he is a, which I is think not that... how he has been portrayed in recent years. And I have a feeling that it is really kind of creating uh, for all the people are saying that he, that he hated on Diana and stuff. But in a sense, I think it is portraying him and kind of changing opinions against him and his rule, kind of, which is going to be beneficial to him in the coming years. But and I thought this... Sorry, darling, you go on. No, you go first. No, I thought this was odd because people seem to have a problem with him shouting at Diana. And I thought, well, you don't get divorced if you're all oh, rosy in the that. garden. Yeah. I mean, you know, clearly there must have been an anger there. Oh, very And, nice. and I, I think we have to be realistic that it was not the best relationship in the world. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes to succession and people feeling, oh, well, should Charles be king? We don't get that. Uh, we don't get that choice. Yes. You see, if if you buy into the monarchy as an idea, 
Charles will be king. It's like this ridiculous idea that Camilla will be princess consort. No, she will be queen. She'll be queen, no matter what people say. End of. It's, it's done. That's the system we've, we've built. That's what's going to happen. Mm. And if you don't like that, well, then it's republic. Yes. End of. And I, 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 I must say that what surprised me this season is that, um, I mean, I felt that season three was quite dreadful with a few, one or two episodes. <laughs> right. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yes. I agree. I mean, I mean, I mean, it, season three was all about well, Princess Anne, but Princess Alice, and well, I could have, I could have very good to Wallace. They were very, they were very good to they Wallace. Were, they were, they were, but all, but I, I do think that that was because again, I've said narrative a hundred times this uh, during our chat, but uh, chat, not chat. <laughs> but but um, it, it it fitted the narrative. It fits the, the the point that they are trying to make, or Peter Morgan is trying to make. Um, and I was going to say that I thought that we were going to get season four was going to be full on the Diana story. No, it wasn't. No. It wasn't. But but I wish they I, thought, I wish no. they had put in more that of Diana's was... background or. Uh, you know, um, why why was Rain not in there? I would have yeah. loved Rain. Yeah. And I would have loved to <laughs> see kind of more about Diana's work, not just in the last episode, just no, exactly throughout so, kind so, of the stuff that she like her aids and all the other work that she did. No, but, but I mean, I thought that we were gonna get, um, you know, Diana the story. Uh, in season four, but we didn't. Yeah. Uh, and and I was surprised at how sympathetic, sympathetically Charles has been portrayed. I mean, it was dreadful in the last episode. He was a real jackass, as the Americans would say, uh, to, to Diana. But but. I, I, do, I, I do think that we get a sense of why he was so unhappy and that he was also a victim of the system mm. or, or of the crown. Um, but I think it would have been nice if we, if we could have seen... I mean, they put uh, Angela and Connor in the, in the series. I think mm. it would have been nice if we could have seen maybe Princess Margaret going to uh, the lighthouse to visit Angela and Connor's son mm. Mm. Um, yes yes I, I think there were certain things that they that they could have done not to um improve the reputation of any individual member of the royal family but things that did we know did happen and they would have improved kind of the story they were trying to tell already yeah that that yes. would have uh embellish that and i i think that was sad that they they yes. didn't do that and yes. i think you know we didn't have any of uh prince william's death uh of gloucester we didn't have any of that wallace yes, the gloucester and the kents were not mentioned wallace's no. death was no not wallace's involved. death and the the way she was treated before she died we didn't have any of that uh well, we didn't and, have and any 
and, and what was surprising in the last series is that uh, we say that Anne was uh, that Princess Anne was the star of season three, but we didn't get to see her wedding. We didn't get to see the uh, kidnap. kidnap. The kidnap, yeah. Which was a really big deal. I mean, it's. I mean, it must be as close as we've uh, we've. I mean, they killed Lord Mountbatten, but second after that, and except for you know the Queen being shot in. Uh, Trooping, uh, being, which they uh, didn't fighting. include. They didn't put in that no, she was shot. No, and, yeah. and and after that, we have Princess Anne almost getting killed. Well, yeah. attempt, and that really surprises me, because and it's also, it also it's also the best royal one-liner, ever. I think not bloody likely. Yes. which they robbed of, yeah. which they yeah. robbed us of. But I would have loved an episode of, uh, with uh, Queen Beatrix coming to England for a state mm -hmm. visit. And they, you know, I think that would have been wonderful for, for, as a kind of abdication theme or that, yes. that, that Trixie came over and, oh, well, I, I'm thinking of it. <laughs> you know, I think that would have been lovely. Um, that would have been lovely, especially with Prince Charles's feelings of being the heir for such a long time. Yeah, exactly. I think that would have been lovely. And I think that um, this series failed on that because it didn't bring in other people to give you that other point of view. But then again, I would have loved to have seen Trixie. I would have played Trixie. If they'd have asked, I would have been there. Well, you have the outfit already. With yeah. the bouffant and the, the, the frock and everything. I think it was a shame. No, but 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 going back to what you said about Princess uh, Princess Margaret and Anne Glencona um, and her son, um, as and as you said, it, as you said, Saad, it would have fit with the story they tried to tell about Princess Margaret. Yeah, um, is that we've seen her? I mean, we've seen the 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 the, the tough side of, of Princess Margaret, but we've also seen the vulnerable side of Princess Margaret, both in her private life uh, and in her uh, looking for, uh, looking up her two cousins, um, her mental health. And we've also seen that she was, in the, in the series, she was the only one who raised a red flag uh, when it came to Princess Charles marrying Lady Diana. Yes. And also, I don't know if anybody else picked up on this, but when Princess Margaret is telling her story about Imelda Marcos, and you both know, I, I'm very... Uh, we know. Yes, I have a soft spot for Imelda Marcos, as evil as she is. that <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they chose Princess Margaret. Apparently, it's because in the Philippines, the crown is very, very popular. Um, yeah. And so they, they put this in, uh, <laughs> this kind of thing. And um, apparently in the Philippines, that scene has been shared more times on social media than any other clip because they are thrilled that Princess Margaret... <laughs> I know very well uh, that scene because I actually um, back in April it was the 40th anniversary of Princess Margaret's visit and I found to the Philippines, to, to yes, Manila. Philippines. 
And I found some obscure pictures of that visit and then she was wearing two tiaras and I was like, why not make an article out of it? And when this came out, that I hadn't started watching The Crown yet, but right after it released, I saw that post getting thousands and thousands of views and I was like, wait, what happened? And then I came onto Twitter and it was just full of retweets of that post and that picture. And also I had, I think I did 30 interviews with Philippine news organizations really? talking about Princess Margaret's visits. It really blew up. And but isn't was... the Malay states, in Malaya, they, they have a similar uh, obsession with, the, with this whole thing? Well, and actually that's one of the things I want to talk about um, because the, in Malaysia they have their royal families as well. They have uh, 13 states, nine of them have their own royal families. Yeah. Out of them, they like one of them to be king. And Pick a king. Something Pick a king I, from like, where you can find. And he's king for five years or something. King for five he? years, yes. That's and I follow quite a lot of the Malay royals and actually one of my best uh Royal connections that the Queen of Malaysia uh, follows me, Ooh, she's and not just on now. my public account, but on my personal account. And she, mm. uh, for one of our recent, I was asking her about a tiara, or something. So she actually had it taken out of the vault for me and photographed to send me pictures of it. So I felt very lucky about that. And but, she doesn't like Imelda Marcos. Uh, well, not Imelda Marcos, but actually. So the, a lot of the Malay royals, they were watching The Crown and they oh. were kind of posting their views on social media, on their Instagram stories. Oh, and they were in a sense making fun of the British royals for being so stuck up and things. And like, <laughs> these are the same people who dined with the Queen last year. Like they were, they have quite close family relationship. I like a that's what they should do. I mean, and they're like, oh, what's Lilibet doing now? It so. is slightly ridiculous. I mean, people should. And, um, you know, everybody takes it so seriously. And then I loved in the uh, last series when they were watching the television and the Queen Mother said, oh, she, uh, Princess Margaret said, oh, should we have a drink? And the Queen Mother said, oh, yes, we'll have a drink. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they behave that way. And, and you kind of, you know, buy into it. Um, but... I saw, I think I put it on Twitter, that I saw uh, the Dutch uh, Netflix had put this idea of Queen Beatrix uh, narrating the series. And uh, I thought, oh, yes, I'd, I actually, I'd love to see a Danish The Crown or a Dutch The oh, Crown. I'd love, that, yes. I'd love all of that. Yes. There, um... I don't think the royals themselves would like the scrutiny, but... And I you know Daisy would love it. Daisy's not at all stuck up. She would think well, it was. She doesn't watch. Well, she hardly watches TV anyway herself. Yes. Um, yeah. But I'm um, starting into Prince Henrik's antics and bring that back yeah. up again. No. Probably won't be the best for her at this and, point. And, and, and I must. And, I must say, most importantly, the Danes themselves would not want to see that. No. <laughs> yes, when I was in um, Denmark earlier this year, I was talking to a couple of Danish people and they told me how Prince Henrik, he was in the last two years that his kind of public perception went from someone who was kind of not necessarily liked because of how he treated the queen and wanted to be king and all of that. 
And then after his death, people just, he became the most kind of untouchable figure and he was so popular and they really? couldn't stop singing his praises. So, no, but the, the thing about Prince Henrik is that the Danes have never accepted that he spoke so bad, that he never learned better Danish. Okay. Uh, the Danes have never accepted, even before he started with the king thing. And um, it dogs. He, he did love a dog for lunch. <laughs> well, he married one. Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, but, how but... wicked. Take that back. She's listening. Don't. <laughs> she's right next door. So. Yeah, she's right next door. I, I'm waving to her now. No, no, but... <laughs> Uh, they could never accept uh, that he very visibly had difficulties with walking two steps behind his wife. Um, but he was also very popular because mm -hmm. he was down to, he, he, for all his grandeur, and I mean, he, he must be the grandest royal consort costumes were really out yes of the world. i i mean he he was the perfect consort for daisy yeah uh no, but but he for all his grandeur he was never a snob um and danish uh i mean i i i danish facebook danish twitter danish social media danish newspapers are full of um, are full of stories of people turning around in a pub, and there is Prince Henrik. Uh, of people of people uh, getting on a bus, and there's Prince Henrik. And uh, um, so he turned up everywhere. He could connect to everyone, um, and they loved him. But you see, but I want I want to see the crown luxembourg oh, purely oh, for me. yeah oh. purely for josephine charlotte <laughs> with her the cast of josephine charlotte would get awards oh with with her premonitions and uh you know yeah in a, a decollete people threw things in a decollete no uncle goggy uncle goggy Uncle that Googie sounds very much teeth. like a Me Too movement thing that you. Yeah, put <laughs> his teeth in her décolleté. I want, yeah. I want to see that. Or the Crown Romania, oh. with Queen Anne and the hats. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> what Uncle Goggy? I was actually um, thinking about how Uncle Goggy and Aunt Marie were all at all the royal family events, and I've always thought why Lilibet didn't necessarily try to mingle with the group said much now. I, mean, I tell you for, exactly why. With her too. Exactly why the Queen Mother. Oh yes. The Queen Mother. The Queen Mother didn't like the idea that there was this European for which she read German. This idea that they were hanging around with them. So there was a, a disc and the Crown actually portrays that quite well. The, this idea that uh, the British royal family were Better than the rest. Yeah, but also part of them it says. removed. Yeah, but they were they 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 actively. I mean, because of the war and also because of the Queen Mum, 
they actively tried to, I mean they actively did actively distanced themselves from yeah. all their German relatives I mean Philip's sisters couldn't come to, to was it the wedding or the coronation they didn't the, come wedding, to the, the wedding they, they weren't allowed and and all right they weren't all Nazis for goodness sake I mean they didn't all uh, but 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 what, what I mean, and, and that's, that's a well-known fact about the British, uh, about the Windsors. But what people fail to remember, uh, fail to mention, and I don't, I mean, of course, uh, the UK media has no idea, is that the same thing happened in um, the Netherlands. The same thing happened in Sweden. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, the, the, what was her name? Princess uh, Fürstin Wojtslava von Reutz, whatever her name was, who died last year, and she was a hundred years old or something, and she was the first cousin of Queen Juliana, was it? And she was a, a flower girl at a wedding. I mean, she's she's told stories about never being contacted after the war again, um, and she's told stories about when entering somewhere where a Dutch woman was, they went, they, they, you know, they left immediately because they, they did not want to connect with their not German relatives. Yes. No, I think because, if you, if you read the uh, Quest for Queen Mary, mm, you, you yes. see that there was this big disconnect. Yes. That, that they didn't wish, you know, that, that fabulous so creature. Wittenberg royals were talking about. Oh, Pauline, oh, the uh, queen never answered the letters, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, wow. the fabulous Pauline, who was apparently as big as a skip, and <laughs> and couldn't sit on a normal chair, so they gave her this. You know, they built this thing, and she had one tooth in the middle of her face. This, yeah. you know, and they didn't want to know her. No, and I think that's what the queen mother was kind of. Um, she she saw anybody Danish Romanian Bulgarian they were they were German and therefore uh, they were to be to be kept away and yeah. and I wish in the Crown we'd have seen a little bit of uh, well, interdynastic. But I mean, all we got was Princess Marina for two minutes shouting in a very bad English, shouting in very bad English to 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 Princess Margaret about. And why not? Why and not? They called her Mar Prince Philip's relative rather than Margaret's aunt, which I thought was very yeah. misleading. And I but, would have but, loved to have seen Marina fully oh, a part yeah. of the series, yeah. you know, with a one foot longer than the other and yes. screaming. And, and, and I, 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 I bought I, I bought a book in in Copenhagen uh, in a U secondhand bookstore. Uh, about Princess Marina, I think it was called Marina and George or something. Um, a really good book, and in the book it says that um, the reason why Marina and the Queen Mum never really, well, they they, they never clicked. They never they never clicked. Uh, although, of course, Marina, being a princess, uh, was very deferential to the queen mum as a queen yeah um, yes and the book says something about that marina and the queen mum never really clicked because the queen mum like queen mary before uh, the war uh, the, the first world war um, had this continental concept of royals being yeah 
almost of another breed, you know, than the rest of us. And they, and she was that without being a snob, because to her, it was nature. It was, but you know, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that they treated the, the Queen Mother, treated Marina in exactly the same way as she treated Wallace? That they are outsiders, that they they can't possibly appreciate the way that the royal family behaves, or it's it's insane. And, but and actually, treat Princess and, Alice any better because I don't necessarily recall any kind of Gloucester. Yes, or Gloucester, like um, any kind of instance when the Queen Mother is particularly. No, I, I don't think Princess she, she had much to. I don't think she had much to do with her. Yeah, I think they 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 kept. Kind of I don't early. think she invited her sister-in-laws over for tea at Clarence's house every couple of weeks. No. no, but Alice, Alice had enough to deal with. Oh yes, yes. and let and let's not forget. I mean, the Bowslion might be an old family, and they might have an old title, and they might have one or two old castles, but compared to a uh, what was Princess Montague Douglas Scots who had yes. three illustrious dukedoms and three huge houses, more than yes. three, and then compared there was from that, Charles II. I mean, to, yes, compared to that family, the both lines are, you know, the poor cousin from the country. Yes. Um, so, but... But I yeah. think that's, that's what the Crown, the, the series shows, is that anybody that coming into the family, mm. they, and have that's to, not... they have to go through this weird ritual of let's make them prove their worth mm. and i mean let's not forget that the biggest outsider in the royal family for many years was prince philip yes very much yes. i mean his mother his as he famously said his mum was born at windsor castle and he was still seen as an outsider Yes, because he, he wanted to do things slightly differently. And uh, mm. I think maybe he, he had a more European royal uh, view. He did. I mean, uh, the Queen didn't attend any of the European, but Prince Philip most certainly did go to all, and he kept up those ties. And actually, that's, that's ridiculous. That's so mean. That is so mean, even now. That they, you know, they have birthdays. Or I mean, the the Grand Duke of Luxembourg who has a birthday party, and Queen Anne, uh, Queen Princess Anne, Anne went. She'd love it. Uh, Princess Anne is is the one sent. Or I mean, the Countess of Wessex. And I yes. mean, actually, that's one of the things they do in recent years because up until the mid two thousands, it was always uh, Prince Charles or Prince Philip that went, and it's mm. very much a thing in recent years in which no, it's just the Wessexes yeah. or. Actually, but, in the but, late uh, mid seventies, it was always the Gloucesters that went. Mm -hmm. But yes, it and I think what's Philip, his kind of, and that's the reason uh, the ties that he's kind of kept with the European world is the reason why they all flock to London whenever there's a big British royal event. You don't yes, exactly. turn up like that in other countries. And 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 the reason, and I mean the reason. Uh, or at least one of the reasons uh, that Philip Dustis uh, went to all these, um, you know, celebrations is that they were his first cousins. It was his aunts, his, his step cousins, his his father's cousins, or whatever. Um, and and 
and so, so, so I mean, for him, it was, you know, representing the queen, yes, but it was also a family affair. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, nobody, and, and nobody, nobody thought to go to Queen Fabiola's funeral. I'm just going to put that out there. Yes. Mm. Mm. And then when you think <clears> that just I'm a bitter. few years later, I'm bitter about that. You, uh, you there were six attendants at like a Grand Duke Jean's funeral. So, <clears> like, there was everyone from, I believe, it was Princess Anne. The Gloucesters were there. Countess Mountbatten was there, and so was Lady Elizabeth yeah. Anson. So they had yes. a whole lot of people. Yes, and she died recently. That was very sad. Yes, mm. Lady Elizabeth. Mm. That was so, so, so. Yeah, but but the, the thing about but the the thing about um, Johnny, as they called him, Johnny of Luxembourg, was that I mean he was a personal friend to to the queen, the royal family. Yeah, he was. I don't know what kind of military what military position he had. Uh, Scots Guards, was it? Or Irish yeah. Guards or something like that? Uh, there's this actually, I found this recent video of the Queen's state visit to Luxembourg in 1976, which I had an article about recently. And I couldn't actually put the video in the article. It's in the link down below. And it has this, like, it's, I believe, 45 minutes and it's in beautiful color. And it really shows how close the British and the Luxembourg royals were, but then you think about how that was really their last official interaction because they have not had any official visits since then. No, and uh, well, maybe that's because they serve peanut butter. I really, I don't <laughs> know. Because Josephine Charlotte said that um, <laughs> when they were liberated, she ate a whole tin of peanut butter and she was sick. <laughs> oh yes, I remember that. <laughs> so maybe she didn't want to go to any country that had peanut butter, or you know, because <laughs> God love her, she was she was mad as a brush. But she, um, I think we've missed out in England of the all these old grand royal ladies yeah. visiting. I mean, the the Queen Mother wanted to oh no no Europeans, but when you think about it, when they when they came. Um, there's a story about Queen Frederica of Greece coming to England, and there was a lot of protests because there, yes, I don't yes. know what it was, but there was a, I, a, she came. Yes. She came with Irene, I think, and they were mobbed in the street or something. And she had to run into a stranger's house. Yeah, yes, and there exactly. was there was all kind of uh, uh, protests and everything like that. And one of the stories from that is that this old lady took her in and you know as you say they they took her in off the streets yeah and she came in and um, she she gave queen frederica cake and tea and all the rest and queen frederica said um oh this is lovely that you've taken your time to look after us and the old lady said yeah who are you <laughs> and I, I think that, that that's wonderful that they did she didn't know who <laughs> Um, and I think that's the kind of, if you live in Sweden or you live in the Netherlands or Sweden, you know, you, you know who the international roles are because they're all connected and they're still part of the family. But here you don't, if, you know, because we don't do that. Yes. No. And I think maybe the, uh, kind of international, the Eastern European roles kind of enjoy that freedom because they are able to kind of go to other countries and live 
relative, like have relative normal vacations and things, whereas the British I don't, do that yes, would be I don't more think, often. I don't think that it's a coincidence that quite a lot of European royals have been educated in Britain. Because one, it's a, it's a language that they speak. English is a language that they speak. And two, nobody here knows anything about them. No. No. Which can really be a blessing in disguise for them in which... Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, hmm. And I mean, is Elizabeth, no, I mean, Princess Elizabeth, she went to school in Wales. Yes. Uh, when, after the wedding, uh, uh, Mette Marit and uh, Håkon, they moved to, to London, um, where she ended up befriending Marie Chantal and... Why did I say that in French? Uh, and and Madonna and and um, the uh, Paul McCartney. Quite a lot of the international jet set. Who is yes, this? Yes. Uh, and uh, and all of them. Elizabeth uh, Brabant. Yes. The yes. Yes. Belgium. Mm. Yes. So, 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 and, and I mean, uh, the, 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 the Norwegians sent Metamorit and Håkon off to uh, give, give uh, Metamorit a chance to uh, polish up and go to school and get, some, get an education. She didn't need it. I mean, in those early years, she, it was tough for her. Yeah, well, she needed it because Princess Ranhild was behind her saying, if you don't, <laughs> she's ready to yes. strangle her. Yeah. She had claws reaching all the way from Brazil to 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 yeah. to Oslo. If you don't know how to curtsy, I'm gonna kill you. That was a... <laughs> that was really. I'm actually. Uh, I have an article coming out on their. It's the 20th anniversary of their engagement in a couple of days, and mm. I was looking at the picture. What the and, Harkon? Uh, yes, Harkon. Harkon. Should I say? But you know, it's the 30th. Uh, today is the 30th anniversary of the day that they all kicked Margaret Thatcher out. Really? Because there were a lot of Tory boys online today saying, oh, it was the most disgusting thing in the world. we go? Well, because that was because she was an old horror. Um, wow. But yeah, it's, a, it's the 30th anniversary since that scene in The Crown of, we think you should piss off because you're a pain. Mm. Um, so it's funny, isn't it? How we, we coincide our Yes, and I was actually, there's so much kind of um, this year in general for me on the website. I have done so many articles about on this day in 1960. And literally 1960 was the royal year, I think, to cover so far. There were uh, 15 state visits from the King and Queen of Thailand. There were state visits kind of around. There were at least eight royal weddings that I've covered. It seemed like mm. such a fun year. And that's kind of, there's a uh, very little like uh when during my time covering all the royals i've been like there's very little like years that i want to go to but 1960 i think has been one like 60 years ago that was mm -hmm. the time to be in especially well, one before they were all kicked out yes <laughs> i mean you know farah and uh, they were all they were all ditched and you know the Thai royals in, in the 60s, that was lovely, but now he's running around in a crop top and, you know. In so Germany. In Germany. Oh. I actually have, um, there was one of those fascinating figures, this uh, late king's first cousin, 
who was um, she was the daughter of a king who died the day after uh, her birth, and she was just this fascinating figure. And it's the ninetieth anniversary, ninety uh, fifth anniversary mm-hmm. of her birth in a couple of days, and she had this emerald necklace which is now being worn by the king's concubine and it was just worn a couple of weeks that's Ooh. what my article is about in two days and all that we like, should have such aunts that we should be <laughs> so lucky i'd wear it if it oh, was yeah. me i wouldn't care i mean well if you told me to wear a crop top i'd do it but <laughs> it wouldn't be a pleasant view for anybody else but you know if he said oh wear a crop top i'll give you an emerald oh yes please yes I mean, I visited Bangkok last year and their main kind of Buddha shrine in the Royal Palace is the Emerald Buddha. And it mm. is a huge chunk of emerald. Oh dear. That, which is carved into a Buddha. But that he will wear as a naval woman. <laughs> you know. uh, yes. When he's listening to Eurovision. When, he, when he's got his Eurovision playlist on after, <laughs> after a few drinks. The Thai Royals are a whole different basket. I think we could have two podcasts and not cover all their stuff. Now, I would like to see the crown, the Thai edition. Oh, God. That would be a fun crown. Like, that would with, a, fun. with a very drunk Queen Syracuse uh, kicking off at people. And yeah, I'd love all that. Have yeah. you read that document, Saad? Yes. Oh, no, I have. I don't know if Saad You sent it to me, um, Sammy. It was quite something. Which one? Well, is it... it... No, go on, dear. Yes. No, um... no, no. No, you first. So it's it's, uh, some kind of document from the American embassy or ambassador or something that says that Queen Syracuse is a drunk and that she gets so drunk that she throws things at <laughs> I've heard lots of uh, weird stories about Queen Syracuse. Um, yeah, that she doesn't like anybody and she throws things at people. And um, the whole this whole uh, uh, communique was about the Queen Syracuse was too drunk to be of any interest because there was a song playing and she was performing her song and she was singing karaoke she loves karaoke and uh, <laughs> that she somebody criticized the way she was the thing she was singing so she threw a lamp <laughs> <laughs> yes but she sounds like brilliant. a right row character it's brilliant right? it's wonderful <laughs> But more seriously, <clears throat> uh, the document also mentioned that she didn't, I mean, she uh, didn't like her son. She yep. found him um, unfit to be king. And even her, her husband found him unfit to be king. The whole establishment found him unfit to be king. And this was the early 80s, I think. Yes. And I actually yeah. remember reading an interview of hers from the late 70s when someone was criticizing his playboy behavior and she just dismissed it. And I believe it's in the American press. Oh, it's just, you know, the antics of youth and he'll be fine and grow into it. But I think with the king, his biggest issue has been that he was the sole heir and he was yeah. really pampered from birth and he had really think... a victim of his privilege. Yes, I think. I truly think that had he had a brother, he would not have become king. Oh, yes. Thanks yeah, for so you much know, they made lots of excuses for 
the old king who was not particular. I mean, you know, he's shaking like a shitting dog for about 30 years and was never allowed to be seen. Yeah. He was, he was forever protected and hidden. And yeah. I think they made a lot of excuses for that. So I don't think they're um, the most, but then I mean, that's, that's monarchy. I monarchy I is about you take what you're given. I remember, I remember him, uh, King Bumibol being um, um, I remember him, be, him being described for like maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, I remember articles about him being, you know, this exalted figure and revered by his people. And he was, I mean, revered by his people. He was the protector of his people against the military. And he had opened his uh, palace gates to the stu to students uh, during a big massacre and, and so on and so on. Um, and that was his public persona and his reputation but now that he's gone we know that i mean he, he was, was a mess part of that. yes and he was, he was part, part of the establishment and he had the authority to change stuff but he just didn't yes and he he was supportive of uh or at least he accepted everything that the military junta did um so so well um, I mean, things weren't as 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 golden as they seem to be, or they Not were perfect. they were made out to be. Um, I think in the case of the Thai royals, it has been really the fact that their public persona was really constructed um, by their kind of the press and by the people, mostly in the absence of King Bumibol, especially in the last mm. 30 years or so and yeah trying to create um this public figure has meant that kind of their shortcomings have been ignored more like there's this very like the start of his reign how he became king is also really shrouded in mystery his brother Mr. yes didn't he kill his brother or something allegedly 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 he his brother was found dead after a visit from his brother Allegedly, he shot him in the face, yes. Mm. So, I mean, there are some very kind of, you never know what influences let's, about people. No, and let's just say that it can't be a coincidence that they have the strictest, uh, what you call it, let's say legislation in the world. Very much, yes. And I think um, with the Thai royals, more than the present, I think the future is also kind mm. of a cause for uh, like concern in a sense, in which that really, I believe the current crown prince has uh, developmental issues. I believe yes. he has uh, autism. And mm. I mean, uh, in kind of the way the Thai monarchy is portrayed, I doubt that he would be accepted as the ruler. And yeah. kind of, there are no necessarily other options at this point. Of who could but whatever ruler. happens there, it will always be the military. They, yeah, they yeah. will decide who, who becomes king. what and, and, and where it happens. And, and the strange thing that happened, was it last year, when a uh, engagement announcement was made uh, 
for, yes, for the, the eldest daughter the eldest daughter to a member of the most prominent the military uh, family uh, yes yes and the most prominent aristocratic family except the royal family in thailand and i think and there was a picture published and i think it was all up for an hour or something and then everything was retracted and never mentioned yeah. again it was all swept away in we don't know what was kind of behind that no, no. They're, they're in the same position in a way as the romanovs were which is you know the the guy that's in charge is useless yeah but every family surrounding them is getting what they need so let's just leave it a few years and see what yes. happens and it's a train that they know is going to crash eventually it's but... going to happen eventually it's going to happen but they they don't want to uh, face it and i think in a way every monarchy has to face the fact that one day it will end yes that it it won't be that i mean i i think it will it run is. its natural course yeah i mean i think the 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 british roles they're probably wondering what do we do when scotland goes yeah mm. what mm. crown do they we can claim? deflect it now they can deflect it 10 years down the line but eventually yeah. what, what, claim, what crown are we going to claim how are we going to um how are we going to survive? You know, what's then what's they'll the, truly become like the Americans say, the Queen and Queen of England. So yeah, and 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 what's the future? And I mean, I think people like uh, Willem Alexander or uh, Carl Gustav, they don't have to worry about that because the borders are, are secured. And they, but when you think about the the British royals, you know, they're on borrowed time, really, in the same way as the ties are. Not yes, for that, and no. the same way the 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 Spanish are. Because, yeah. because Felipe is fighting for his life, and he's not only fighting for his life; he's also fighting for the Spanish state. Yeah, and uh, state, and also kind of Leonor's future. Like that is immense pressure on this. Oh country. well, she'll never be queen of Spain. Oh, it would be a miracle at this stage. Yeah, she'll never be queen of Spain. But that's the thing. I mean, every, I think taking it back to the crown and people said oh it doesn't show them in a very nice way today is actually the 45th no. anniversary of Car um juan yes, carlos becoming yes king. but you you can't be nice if you want to keep the very privileged position that you've got yeah and i think you have to fight dirty and that's where we are now i mean every single monarchy in the world apart from possibly the dutch or the Danish or where they seem to have the, the goodwill of the people. Things are getting a little bit Especially tired. in this COVID uh, kind of world that we live in, which things are going to change. Yeah. Why, why should we give uh, a huge amount of money to, this to the one queen family. for the, the restoration of a palace when our own, you know, normal people are struggling with food banks and, it's going to be a question that's that's asked time and time again everywhere else. Yeah, uh, and I think that I've you know the First World War was a, a huge uh, reckoning. After that, everybody said, "Oh well, what do we do? What do we do? What part?" History tends to do that, and this is a big thing in history where we may well find ourselves saying, "Well, what is the point of them? Why do we fund them? Why do we give them money?" and in countries that have already got uh, kind of as Jacob said with Spain or 
with you know the Catalonian issue. Maybe or we'll even find Belgium right. or Belgium, yeah. Or maybe we will find ourselves saying, "Well, actually, we don't need them." No, so much. I think I think that the reason why, for instance, Felipe. Um, did um, I say Philip? Did I say Philip or something? No, no. I no, no. I have no. I, I don't know. I wasn't I listening. Um, no, we're quite right, but correct me because no, I don't no, want no, to upset I, him. I don't want no, to offend him. No, oh, he's such a dear, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, but 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 I think that the reason Felipe uh, took such a hard stance or stand, sorry, against the Catalonians, uh, uh, the, part, the, the part of the Catalonian people who wants in the independence is one, because he truly believes that it's best for his country or both countries, all of the countries to stay together. But also I think a part of it was that he wants to show the rest of Spain that here I am defending the state, Please keep me. If... And we can see really this year, both uh, Felipe and Letizia have been really in full damage control. They have done so many events and visits, even during COVID. They have, but, but for, every, a, a big, for every event they do, Corina uh, uh, keeps talking, you know? There's okay. another article, article by Corina. This um, would never have happened if Pilar had survived. No, <laughs> yeah. because you would you would not dare take against her, <laughs> uh, and she'd have given you a good slap, bitch across the chops if you'd have dared. <laughs> and 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 speaking about Belgium, you mentioned Belgium as well. Um, uh, Philip or Philippe. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, it's said that the only <laughs> two Belgians, Belgians are the royal family, but Philippe and his father, the now very uh, maliced. Yeah. Um, and they've been in damage control mode too recently with the Princess Delphine thing. Yeah. Oh, yes. wonderful, wonderful. She's marvelous. She's marvelous. She I no, think no, she no, could be no. the savior of the monarchy. Make her. She's adorable. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, both uh, Philippe and his father, uh, Al uh, Albert, they have, you know, they both became, or they, they both ended up being quite good at being kings. Yeah. They, 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 I mean, both Philippe and Albert have been very, quite successful in, 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 uh, you know, balancing the... And that the, comes the... back to that point that you made earlier, that um, as they grow in age, they grow in popularity. Yes. Well. And and I remember when... Uh, uh, how do you pronounce his, his name? Baud, Baud, Baudouin? Baudouin. Baudouin. Baud... <laughs> yes. When, when Mr. Fabiola died... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, when he died, I mean, he died quite unexpectedly. He died much earlier than people had expected. But I remember lots of articles and lots of, um, um, you know, in the TV and, and on the radio saying that um, 
you know, they had expected Philippe. Everyone, even Albert, had expected Philippe to be king after his uncle and that they would skip Albert. Because but he, he was dead already. Well, maybe, maybe, but also because, but then Albert became king uh, because, um, one, because there was no legislation in place to skip him, but okay. also because Philippe was seen as too too young, too inexperienced. I mean, Philippe too... was what, 33 at the time? Yeah, yeah but yes. he's, sa he's saving grace is Matilda. Yes, yes. 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 She if it wasn't, if it role. wasn't for her, then he'd be gone. Yes, and 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 the, I mean, there was also a widespread, widespread belief um, in Europe at the time that um, maybe Philippe wasn't the best king. Maybe he would be the best king. Um, maybe he he'll never marry. I think there was even some gay rumors about him. So Ooh. that's why. They, they 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 changed the law of su succession in 1990. Yes, something? it was before Boudouin died. It I was didn't before. Know that I didn't know they. Yes, that's was... why they um, because Princess Astrid had been married for quite a few years. Yes, and yes. So oh, to the vampire. Married... She married the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> the yes. Archduke of Austria Este. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If he if he's an archduke, then I'm the queen of the Belgians. I mean, for goodness sake. Uh, yeah, but 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 and and that his son, the very handsome guy, I can't remember the name. Oh, of Amadeo, Amadeo. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, he was he was seen as you know a future king. Ooh, because I would have they, liked that. I think he would have made a a marvelous king. King Amadeo. King Amadeo. <laughs> yes. So, so, so that I mean, um, and Felipe has surprised. Uh, no, not Felipe. Philippe has surprised everyone. Yes, because um, I remember when he became king. That was around the time I started getting into royal watching. And there are people really against him that he's not popular. And there are all sorts of kind of people really set against his rule failing and the monarchy being abolished. Because if you're, I think that in that time, Belgium was going through a really difficult political period as well. And they didn't, mm -hmm. I believe, have government for around two years in kind of- But the they rule. never have a government, oh, you know. True. After every, it, it always takes at least a year after an election for them to form a, form a government, so... And then six and months they, later, it all far, falls apart again. Yes, you know, and then I, they... I came into Royal Watching when the, the whole Diana Camilla row was going on. Mm -hmm. And they seemed to have a, a respite, you know, with, with when Kate turned up. And mm -hmm. now we're back where we are. And maybe that's the same in other countries, that... You know, they all got a little tiny respite from what was going on, and then suddenly everybody hates them for old reasons. And I think the hating part generally is comes in periods. I mean, we always have with Diana, usually around the time of her death in August, there's a mm. couple of headlines. Two weeks or so, people hate Charles and Camilla, and then they do some go on a tour, they do something nice, and they're able to kind of reclaim some of that. For example, I believe in 2017, it was Camilla's 70th birthday, 
and around mm -hmm. the time of her birthday in July, she was popular. I think everyone was full of praises for her. Then come August, think, it was think, yes. I mean, I I think that most people in this country don't really care about her either way. Yeah, I, I, I just I just think she's a, is kind of what royal families prefer, in which people aren't necessarily set against you, and they also don't necessarily care so deeply. About I don't, that I don't think anybody is. I don't think anybody's. Well, there's a, there's a certain group that really honestly care about the ones who camp but, outside. Um, but most people, I think, in this country don't care. We've we've got more important things to worry about. Mm. I mean, uh, it if, doesn't if, make a difference. It, you know, will she be queen? Will she be princess consort? Will she be? You know, it doesn't really affect most people. I think it will be what it will be. And the idea, a lot of people, you know, were, were freaking out because they said, oh, well, the crown will turn the, the populace against her. No, I, I don't think anybody really cares. Yes. And I don't think the crown kind of has the same kind of impact in the UK as it does, like, globally, in a sense. Because I see no majority of the people competent commenting on it are Americans and they kind of yeah. their own perceptions and well they've got their own problems oh very yeah. and and I must say if if we talking about the Americans um, um, <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know where to start no but but you're braver a, than I am <laughs> uh, one thing uh, well uh you kind of remember your point I wanted to talk about was I was kind of sad that we didn't actually get to see Ronald Reagan and Thatcher portrayed because he made a couple yes of Ronald who thought that would have been a fun to see in the crown yeah Ronald who thought he was a big man. American audience yeah and Ronald. they didn't and another thing, I mean, of course, I mean, Margaret, uh, Mrs. Thatcher, she mentioned in, uh, she mentioned Gorbachev and Helmut Kohl and Reagan, I think, uh, in her, um, well, before they kicked her out. Um, but we never saw, we never saw the Berlin Wall come down. We never had her, um, I mean, we never had the, the, mm. the, the, the US-UK axis against uh, the Soviet Union and and that apartheid episode was also quite a weird thing because the Queen, mm -hmm. I believe, there's this whole documentary on the Queen's role, which was actually during a G7 conference in London, how that actually contributed more to apartheid than the sanction thing. But the angle they went through with that was very weird. Yeah. So, so, so did this really did uh, that really happen or? I'm. Um, well, Margaret Thatcher always claimed that she had this very friendly relationship with the Queen and that it was all rosy in the garden and um, that, you know, she didn't understand why people suggested that they, they didn't get on. Um, so I think the Crown takes this view that, that they didn't. Yes. And oh, there was also that whole bit in that episode about the Queen expressing her displeasure. And yeah, but I think, you know, the Queen feels I'm not the Queen. I, I've never met her, so I can't say. But I think the Queen feels that 
she's Queen of Canada, New Zealand, and that she feels that uh, their problems are just as much as if there was a queen a problem with the United Kingdom because she's queen of them. Yeah. Um, and I think Margaret Thatcher's uh, position was that maybe people that live beyond our borders are not quite worthy of her worry, her concern. Um, and so you have this whole this whole thing but what what i will say is that i thought gillian anderson's thatcher was uh kind of haunting in a way because it was so accurate whereas the only uh downside to it was that it was the same thatcher from the whole way through yes there wasn't I mean, necessarily any development because thatcher herself had from this late 70s to the 90s she had a whole kind of change in look and character. But yeah, well, the, the Margaret Thatcher of 1990, which Gillian Anderson uh, picked up on, is not the Margaret Thatcher of 79. Yes. No. It, it, they're, they're two very different people. But the one thing I loved was that when she, um, when Mark went missing in the desert, which we're not allowed to talk about, by the way, because allegedly uh, he may have profited from that. Um, but we're not allowed to talk about that. But when when he went into the desert and uh, the Queen, uh, Margaret Thatcher, went to the Queen and she began to cry because Mark had gone missing. And yeah. I thought, oh, for goodness sake, Margaret Thatcher wouldn't have shed a tear for that. Yeah. You know. And the fact that she would was ignoring briefings about, from the cabinet. And I was like, I thought she was much was stronger and far. more professional than that. Like That was very far far-fetched but i thought she the way they dealt with her with the falklands you know that that was true um that she would have seen it as a violation of the kind of british sovereignty i i i agree with that but um the idea that she was uh spurred on to, to go to war because um of the falklands was a bit ridiculous i i i did think that was silly because yeah. she wasn't, she she would have done that because of um, her conviction. I think the most important thing about Margaret Thatcher in this whole series was that she, yes, she was a, an ardent royalist, but at the same time, um, she became so presidential mm. at the end that she didn't need the queen, and so she. I mean, that famous clip of her, you know, stumbling out of dinner. We are a grandmother. I mean, for goodness' sake. She became the queen. She became the head of state. It, it, it was, um, and so my only critique really of, of her role in this whole thing was that there was no progression. There was no, when she first turned up, I think she was a little bit kind of uh, timid. And then by the end of it, she was very much, well, no, I'm, I'm in charge. You will do what I say. That has to be the first time anyone has ever said Margaret Thatcher and timid in the same sentence. No, I think it's true. I think I think in the beginning, I think. No, but I I, I do I, I I know what you mean. I I see what you mean. Yeah, she was she was a little bit kind of. I don't know what's going to happen. I mm. don't I don't know how I play this, and then, um, as the years went by, she became this very kind of. Uh, well, you are the queen, but you're a rubber stamp. And I can do what I want 
And, and she was like that with her cabinet, which is why they kicked her out because yeah. you can't- She got too big for her shoes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She became very boisterous. She became very, I am Margaret Thatcher and how dare you? And I've won three elections and that, that ended very good. But in relation to the Queen, and I thought I loved the fact that they brought in Sonny Ramphal because he um, has taken part in documentaries and he said exactly the same thing. The Queen soured towards Margaret Thatcher when she became presidential. Mm. Mm. Yes, that's a really, I think, poignant point to remember uh, kind of when we think about the Queen's relationships. Because I believe, is Margaret Thatcher her longest serving prime minister? Um, well, Tony Blair did 11 years. I don't know if it's longer. I, I think believe Margaret be also like... did 11, so. Uh, Margaret was 11. I, I seem to remember that uh, Blair did... I think Blair did almost the same amount of time, but resigned just before. Okay, yes. I think she's still the, the longest serving prime minister, I think. Uh, Blair did 10 years. Oh, 10 years, and yes. she did 11. So, yes. So, Margaret Thatcher, so during her reign, and you think about kind of in the seven decades, like one chunk of that is Margaret Thatcher. And kind of... Oh, no. No, I mean, uh, realistically... She only, even when she was prime minister, I think probably she only impacted on uh, Britain for maybe five years as prime minister. But it's what came later. It's the after effects. I mean, Thatcherism yeah. had a huge effect afterwards, after she'd gone. And I thought that was very sweet that they, you know, the Queen says in the Crown, I'm go it's normally this order of merit we give you in the box, but we're going to give it to you now. And um, the Queen, for in a strange way, she kind of took to Thatcher after she'd gone. I mean, she went to a... a she made her Lady of the Barter and, and... Yeah, and all, all that kind of thing. And, and I, that's quite odd because... Because I think the power balance was restored because Thatcher was no longer... She's the gone. ...presidential figure and the Queen no longer had to kind of respect her for yeah. that. And she just... But also, I think, I think that in that time period, um, society changed and we were willing to take the mickey out of Margaret Thatcher. And in the same way, I mean, you look at Spitting Image, which uh, attacked both. Maybe we became more less deferential, not only to the Queen, but Margaret Thatcher. And so therefore they, they suffered the same public uh, reaction that suddenly we didn't really care who was in charge. We, we, were, we were willing to, to kind of attack anybody, um, which maybe is due to Thatcherism because it, it uh, made people so... Um, Poor and desperate. Yeah, and so people felt that there wasn't a need to be deferential because you just attacked anybody because of the situation you were in. The, the Michael Fagan episode of The Crown is, is a prime example. He wasn't, he didn't want to attack the Queen, he just wanted to make her aware, this is what you're, we're living through. And I think maybe in the 80s we all went through that, which was not that we hated 
the Queen, or maybe even not that we not hated Margaret Thatcher, but that we didn't like the way things were going. And but, but moreover, that we found our voice. We we were able to say we don't like this. No, because you had been. I mean, from the. I mean, from the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, you had been, um, I mean, the, the UK and the rest of the Western world had been democratic, more de democratic, you know, yeah. equal rights, um, 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 power to the people and everything. And then when you're suddenly faced with this, arch-conservative nightmare that Thatcherism turned out to be, um, people spoke out. Because had it happened in 1811 or something, no, not 1811, but uh, in, in 1889 or something, people wouldn't have objected because they had no voice. Yeah. It, it did. It, it kind of forced people to, I think, the 80s question for the first time questioned people's views of the social system in this country mm, mm. that maybe we shouldn't live the way now that was not what margaret thatcher was uh, intended to do it was quite the opposite that she wanted to kind of reinforce the the social system but um once she'd gone and and it, uh, certainly in the last few years of, of her premiership I think we all did start to think, what is the purpose of this? Mm. Why, why are we living this way? And I think that had big ramifications for the monarchy going yeah. forward into the 90s with, with the whole uh, Diana craziness. And the, was that yes. we, lost, we lost our... We, we no longer could kneel. We couldn't mm. kneel anymore and say, oh, yes, we accept this because that's just the way it is. Suddenly we found our voice and said, no, 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 we'd like an opinion. Yes. And, and ironically, Margaret Thatcher had encouraged that, that yes. we should all make our voice heard. Yes. And then when Windsor burned, uh, then when Windsor burned, uh, people, re people refused to, to um, pay for, for the repairs. Yeah. Uh, and they forced the queen to pay. Well, she did it voluntarily. Voluntarily, she did start to pay taxes voluntarily. How do you how do I say that? Voluntarily. Thank you. Um, but I mean, she was forced to. She yeah. could not have. She could not have not started to pay her taxes because no, no she was forced to. Yeah. Um, and had this happened in, when was it, in 92, 93? 92. Uh, 92, yes. 92. Had this the been anus in, horribilis. Yes. And had this been in 82, um, you know, the people would have paid for the whole thing. No yeah. question asked, yes. But Margaret, that's the thing. Margaret Thatcher made us question the social structure. Mm. who was above who was below and so by the and you're quite right by the time the winds of fire came along we'd been trained to question who was above and who was below and so when they came and said well the, the palace is burnt and we want money quite rightly mm. we all said well no actually 
you've got money, you pay for it. And mm. I, th I think that if anybody takes anything from the Crown episodes that are to do with that, um, and I've, I've seen a lot of, of, of stories that say, well, it portrays Thatcherism in a very positive, I don't think it does. I think it, what the Crown says is Thatcherism was very good for some people, but not, you know, for others. And I do get the impression from the series that um, that maybe we did all start to question the the order mm. of things, which we didn't do in the fifties and we didn't do in the sixties. And maybe that's why so many people are so furious about the, the idea now, because it, it went from being very deferential to the series. You know, we had three series of Claire Foy and Olivia Coleman. Oh, isn't she marvellous? She's the queen. And then all of a sudden it became very, oh, well, we've got to think about what this means. Yes. And, and I think that's true yeah. to life. We, we did do that in the 50s and 60s. The queen was above reproach. And then all of a sudden we kind of, with Thatcherism, we kind of thought, well, who fits in where? And we, we, um, we turned as, as a people. It's what I said before. We, yeah. the villains, the people who decide what we want and what we don't, we suddenly turned on an knife edge and said, actually, we don't like this. But in the 50s and 60s, um, in the 50s and I mean, during the Queen's reign in the 50s and 60s, you had, you came out of um, uh, wartime rations. You, you started to, uh, you, you got, a, you, you had a better standard of living, everything was going forward. And then you had a lot of social changes in, in um, the 60s. And then the 70s hit, which was a disaster for the United Kingdom. Um, and that continued into the 80s, you know, where the establishment turned on the poor, on the, on the miners, and uh, suddenly a lot of people um, had a worse standard of living than they had had before. Um, and that coupled with the, 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 the um, um, as you say, um, that you, you refuse to kneel anymore. Um, and, the, you know, the, the royals turning out to be as, you know, have, have as messy a personal life as the, re the rest of us. I mean, all that together must have been like a bomb, you know, setting off a bomb yeah. or something. Yeah, I, th I think, I mean, um, the way I always put it, because I wasn't alive for most of this, but uh, my grandmother, God bless her, she's gone now, but she was called Elizabeth Margaret after the... Uh, you know, mm. the two princesses, and was very uh, incredibly patriotic. And she adored Diana. She thought Diana was wonderful and marvellous. And uh, she, I think women of her generation were, were destined to be deferential. Mm. It's very interesting that the most popular girl's name of 1934 was Marina. Mm. You know, they were kind of named. They were, we are going to be loyal subjects of the crown. Yes. And by the time Diana came along, most of those ladies were of a certain age 
and they took to Diana and they thought she was wonderful. And my, you know, grandmother uh, died this year, but before, uh, with I remember calling her when Charles and Camilla got married and she was dead against it. She thought it was terrible that, that this would happen. It's because of a national narrative that comes to us and that is imbued in us, that, that, that kind of uh, takes over. And I don't know that there are many countries that do that. I mean, maybe the Americans with their presidents, I don't know. But um, in this country, you grow up with the royals, you mark your life by their weddings, by their funerals, by their anniversaries. You define your life by them. Mm. And when it goes slightly wrong, you have to work out how you feel about them because you've always been brought up to feel that they are an example. Mm, mm. And when it goes wrong, who have you got? What, and that's what happened in the 90s. Who have we mm. got? Who do we look up to? Now, what Margaret Thatcher was saying in the 80s was, look up to me. Mm. Forget the royals. Forget them. She was gone by the 90s. But yeah, but in the 80s, she was saying, forget them. I'm giving you an example because if you're poor, you can very easily become rich. Not true, but you can become very rich and then you can live your life. Mm. So it's a, I think it's a generational uh, thing as well. There, there was a whole generation that were born at the right time to be deferential and to bend the knee. And as they went forward, they were taught, no, don't do that. Because actually, politics is where you should be looking. Politics is what's going to... And then they got older and they realised that didn't happen. And for some bizarre reason, they, they kind of turned against the roles because they, in a way, well, where were you? You should have been helping us and you didn't. Mm. Mm. That's a great way to comment. Yes, is that because they had an they had a belief or an expectation that the royals could help them and they were the last generation who held that belief i think so <clears throat> because when they were born you know king george was still on the throne and although he was a constitutional monarch he still had the he still had had the opportunity to to involve himself in politics I think so. I mean, my grandmother, she always had a picture of the Duke of Windsor. Mm. Um, and she always used to say, no, he cared about the poor people. Mm. He cared about the poor. Yeah. So you see, there's this long, kind of this uh, long reputation of, of what the monarchy does and mm. what it can be. And it, and it filters into our lives. And we, we take, I don't think people do that now. Nobody, I think, feels that way now. But then, certainly. And Margaret Thatcher uh, challenged that idea that, yeah. you know, regardless of the politics, the king was there for you or the queen was there for you. Mm. I think that slightly changed. Yes, and I yes, I remember in, I think it's that the series, um, Monarchy at Work or something. Yeah. Yes, and I think that there's uh, um, there's uh, a part where where they show the queen 
receiving letters from the public and they make a point of saying that you know people write to her for help and if she feels that she can help she will yeah uh, forward the letter to the um the appropriate person or something something so but that series it's it's 20 years old 25 years 15 years old 15 years old yeah. so i mean even then people still had some people still had the belief that if they approached the queen person, personally like michael fagan said in in the in the crown yeah. That, he, that she will she will resolve all ills and she will be the one to step in yes and, and i was thinking as you said that you know fagan um what, what was what's his first name michael michael fagan as uh, you know he said that i want to tell you how it really is um and i mean in many of the you know pre um in many of the you know the big empires you you know like russia or yeah. uh, austro hungary or spain uh, all the all, all those monarchies who fell you know in the first part of the uh, uh, 20th century you know the peasants i mean the poor had this belief that you know the the emperor or the king has no idea what the the rich are doing to us if he knew he would he would uh, try to change it um but well, you're right and that's the idea that they are above politics and and my as i say my grandmother always felt the queen is above politics she's not part of margaret thatcher's mm -hmm. uh, regime she's not part of tony blair's regime she's not but if i if i needed help if i needed someone to step in then the queen's always there i don't mm. think that exists anymore i no. think the last few years with the brexit catastrophe i think that has proved that we've kind of been lied to in a way that the queen has no power at all no and i mean I, I, and i mean literally i mean the the as the the fairy tale says you know the emperor is he has no clothes. Yeah. Because uh, what Boris, did, what the prime minister did to the queen uh, during the Brexit mess it was he really showed that she has no power to oppose anything. Anything. We yeah. already knew that in the back of our heads, but now it's really, it's been, you know, shoved in our faces. Yeah, and and I think that's in a, in a crazy way. I think that's what the crown shows, mm. is that we with especially with the Michael Fagan episode, that people had learned that there was a separation. That the the crown was above politics, but at the same time, it couldn't really do much. And there was a very interesting line in that where he said to her, she's after your job next. Yes, yes. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of recognize that because we, you always believed that the queen was there and would step in when things became- Got out of hand. Yeah. Mm. 
but I think the last few years have shown, no, she won't. And the apartheid episode where she did step in, um, you, you kind of got the impression from modern day point of view, well, why isn't she doing that now? If that's true and she can do that, why isn't she doing that now? But could it be possible that she could do well, that? Technically, I mean, if you look at the way that the palace has said, like when they, uh, the government lied to her and forced her to sign things and things like that, uh, you, the palace has expressed their displeasure and things like that in a way that they also did back then. But uh, we don't really know the behind the scenes generally, no. but it is like how much uh, she may have been trying or is she basically at this point kind of powerless to stop them because it's a government with an elected majority and there's very little she can do to oppose them. Or, or is, is, is it a possibility that um, in the context of the Commonwealth, the queen has so much goodwill amongst the head of states that she could oppose her prime minister in a Commonwealth context, but she couldn't do it at home. In, at home. But then I think you get into that. And, and as I said, I have no idea if that uh, apartheid thing really, if, if it ever happened. So, so I don't, I mean... No, I, I think you, you get into kind of uh, Tino of Greece territory. When he stood up to the military, uh, and most Greek people were sympathetic to him for doing that. Um, it did kind of bring the uh, fall of the monarchy because, in a sense, he didn't think about the survival of the monarchy. He thought about exactly the in a constitutional aspect. Was he right to do that, or was he wrong to do that? And that's what where we are now. We, mm. you know, a, a sizable majority of the country want the queen to make some kind of statement, but equally, a sizable majority don't. And a sizable and, majority did vote for Boris. Yeah. And Brexit and all the and Margaret Thatcher. So is it really she the won? Best I mean, I think vote. everybody forgets this. Yeah. That every single uh, election she fought, she won. So was the Queen right to stand I against her? And her votes every didn't she increase her share for every election or something? Every single time. So Yes. Is it is it right, even though that we feel that the Queen should stand up and say, this is wrong or we I don't like this, there is a certain aspect of, it, it's a great contradiction that we, in some ways, we would want the Queen to say, no, I think this is wrong. But yet, she is in a position where she can only be guided by the view of the people. And if the people have said we vote for this. Mm. What can she do? I mean, there was this whole crisis about, you know, prorogation and, and was Boris right to, to, to demand it? She can only do that because as far as she was concerned, well, there'd been an election and Boris had won a majority and uh, that's what he wanted to do. And so therefore, she, she must go with, with what people decide. And if she yeah. doesn't, then she becomes... Uh, Tino of Greece or uh, 
Bulgaria. What's his name? I forget. Uh, Simon of Bulgaria. Yeah, Simeon of Bulgaria, or where she has to become an active member of of the political class, and I don't think she ever wants to be that. No, and the few times she has really openly um, taken a political stance, it's a stand. It's been catastrophic. Yeah, yeah. She did. uh, I mean, she Australia the. Scandal with the Governor General of Australia. I think that's something. Exactly. That yes, exactly, exactly. And and uh, the thing about you know when one uh, when one Prime Minister, one it, it was one Conservative Prime Minister who had to step down, and he made her choose the successor he wanted. Macmillan. Yeah. And had she done that today, it would have been. A scandal. Yes. It, it would have yes. been, yeah. It was a scandal at the time, but it would have been a disaster today. But this is this is what I said earlier. We are very unclear on what we want them to do. You know, we we want them to step in when it suits us, but we we don't want them to step in if it doesn't. I mean, when Tony Blair said, "Oh, well, we're going to get rid of the hereditary peers," if the Queen, who maybe would have had sympathy with the hereditary peers had stepped mm. in and said oh no i don't like this idea we would have gone crazy yeah. how dare she express an opinion but then when it gets to oh the queen has to sign brexit legislation and we don't like that then it's I mean, her fault what what chance really what chance do they stand how are they supposed to behave they're either too royal and we don't like it because they're not down to earth or they're too down to earth and we don't like it because they're not royal enough or and when you take it onto a uh, constitutional level she interferes too much she doesn't interfere enough where do they win and that's that is the whole that's the whole problem that the crown the last series the crown is trying to portray we tell them what we want and then they do it and then we say no we don't like that and then they are left floundering because they have no idea what they're supposed to do no i, I love that yes continue no no sorry i was just no i was just thinking about one thing that did was quite noticeable in in this season, season four, was how um, the queen, um, well, she did fail in every, att- in every attempt she made, but she did seem to have, you know, opened her eyes to how hard it was for her children. And she seemed sympathetical to... Yes. The, 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 their feelings and their situation of life and and she i mean she we almost so we almost we saw her we you know with tears in her eyes a few times and um in her very strange backward way she did try to offer them support mm. in her which way. i mean which uh, and uh, when i say backwards i i mean i mean 
the, the day before, you know, what she said to Charles the day before the, the wedding, you know, with the fireworks going off in the background. Are um, you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> um, I mean, she was, you know, it was a very strange way to offer some kind of comfort and support, but... But they are like that. I mean, I think people yes. forget that yes. they... They're ordinary, I can't remember who it was who said it, but they are ordinary people in an extraordinary position. And they don't behave as we would. They, oh. they find it quite strange. I mean, there's a, there's a famous story of the Duke of Gloucester, um, who was asleep in a chair and a, a coal had jumped out of the fire and had set fire to Barnwell. And the, the, the footman came in and, put it out and everything and the Duke of Gloucester woke up and said I've been waiting for you to do that for 45 minutes <laughs> now that's not normal is it that's not what normal people would do I but think they are not normal people they don't no. exist on a normal level and when you watch the crown you can't expect them to behave and to interact like we do because they are in a in a position where they're not thinking first and foremost about each other or practical things. They're always thinking, how do we survive? How, do, how will they like yeah. us? You can't then assume that they will behave how we do. That, that's nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. No, and I think, um, uh, well, going psychological here, but I think that the British royal family, of all the European royal families, um, they are, I mean, they are 50 years behind the yeah. other royal families. Oh, they are. And, they are. Yes. And, and they are still, I mean, Queen Elizabeth is still running. I mean, she has modernized. They, they have done changes, but she's still running her court like her grandparents did. Yeah. And, and I think that the way, I mean, the future of the monarchy is obviously William and Catherine, and they are living the same kind of royal life, a private life, like their continental peers. Yes. I mean, of course they have nannies, of course they have help, but I mean, I think it's said that decidedly more middle class in a sense than yes, exactly. And and I think it's been I, I think they've made a point of saying uh, writing a few times that in Kensington Palace they have two kitchens. They have the big one that they use when they have uh, guests, and they have a smaller one that they use when it's just yes, the family. family. Yes, and the Queen, I mean, her kitchen is. 500 meters away from where she where she eats her dinner yeah. so um i think that has to screw people up you know literally yeah. and also to have this uh this narrative on your shoulders 24 7 that yes. you are the queen and you will be recorded in history forevermore and we're watching everything you do and um we're gonna not only that we will judge her but we're going to decide an era 
based on you. The, the, the second Elizabethans, or whatever yes. they call us, will yeah. be defined by you. And yes. that is quite something to take on. That's extraordinary pressure. Yes, and I think, I mean, I, I had a flashback now, but I, I think it was also in Monarchy at Work, or maybe later, something later, where she, she's had a dinner or something at uh, Windsor, and they go into the library to look at things that have been laid out before them to watch, to look at. And one of these, one of the items is Queen Victoria's journals. Or they mm. talk about Queen Victoria's journals. And she's asked uh, if she writes a journal. And she says, well, mm, yes, sort of, but not like that. Just a few dates here and there. Not in so uh, much detail. Yes. And I think, well, firstly, I don't think the Queen would have the time to write as much as the Queen Victoria did. I don't think she has the literary interest to write as much no. as Queen Victoria did. But also, she knows that everything that she notes down will be made public in a hundred yeah. years or so. Yeah. And yeah. that's a way of protecting her person and her like private life yeah, yeah. i mean uh, our dear friend bunny bixler who we <laughs> said the other day will we ever see uh, the queen's diaries and i said no i don't think in my lifetime i i don't think i will ever see maybe the the, the official biographer will include the, the most uh complimentary aspects but i can't no we'll never see we've only just seen the unexpected and bear in mind uh, beatrice princess beatrice you know kind of burned uh, or yes. eradicated. um we've only just seen queen victoria's diaries that there, there is no way that i as far as i know we've never seen the, uh georgia six diaries yet i don't i don't think we have we we've seen the duke of windsor's uh, letters and things because of the of the nature of um, because he was removed from the royal family and he left uh, well mm. and he also left. I mean people people uh, had control of that you know I'm not going to allegedly people had control of that and, and leaked what they thought was interesting but we've not seen uh, the Queen Mother's diaries if she kept one we, we've not seen any of that. The, the idea that we will see the Queen's innermost thoughts in the next couple of years, that's ridiculous. We're, we're not going to certainly I don't expect to see it in my life. No. And even if, I mean, even if uh, the, the, the Queen decided that on, on her death, her, her, her diaries should be serialized in the sun, um, even if... Uh, <laughs> in the sun. <laughs> no, but, no, but I mean... Even if that would happen, and it won't, I don't, I mean, we're not going to see, we're not going to get, you know, pages, page no, of the page no. of the page about her pouring out over her uh, despair over the failure of the marriage of Charles and Diana. No. What no. we'll get is probably, you know, notes about the weather, her horses, her dogs. Yeah. Uh, maybe when her grandkids came to visit and... Well, Queen Victoria's diaries are very boring. Yes, yes. and I think it's most so of I, I don't the juicy think, bits I don't were think taken we out. 
yes, they were, unfortunately. Um, I mean, the stuff that, that uh, Princess Beatrice um, took out maybe was interesting, but the, the stuff that's left over is very much, you know, Albert came and uh, rode the horses. It's all very boring. Yes. As a pri um, as for historians, as a primary source, it's probably wonderful because we know she sat down and wrote what she needed to, to do. But realistically, it doesn't tell us much. No. Yes. Mm. And I believe we've, wow, the time has passed by so fast. We've been talking. What's this, about four days or something we've been going? <laughs> <laughs> Close to four hours now. Oh, good God. Um, I, I, I fear you'll have a lot of editing to um, You will. To do. Well, I think it was really fun having you both on today, and I'd love to do this again some other time. Yes. How would and you like us to close, dear? So uh, I'd like you to um, tell all our listeners uh, where they can find you on social media and kind of some closing remarks. I, well, I have to check my Twitter. I, I have no idea what I'm called. Um, uh, J.A. Key. No, J A K <laughs> J A K R E G seven six on Twitter. Um, uh, if you want to add me, I think my account is open. Um, so come to come, add me and watch me post about. <laughs> Continental, obscure continental royals, Eurovision, and old ladies. <laughs> Perfect. And Sammy, what about you? I don't want anybody to add me on anything because I've no interest in anything they've got to say, and I don't want to be a, attacked by spinsters, so leave me alone. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you both of you for coming on today. And You're welcome, I hope to have you thank on you. again soon. If you'd like to be a guest or would like me to discuss a particular royal topic, please message me on social media or send me an email at royalwatcher at hotmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as The Royal Watcher, and also on royalwatcherblog.com, where I post daily articles. Please use hashtag Royal Watcher Podcast on social media and tell me what you want me to talk about in future episodes. The podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major streaming platforms. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay at home.